100%. Perspective is totally key. Uh, have you ever, um, have you ever, well, so what's, what's your favorite YouTube channel that, that goes over flat earth content and whatnot? Have you, do you have a favorite YouTube channel? Oh, sure. I, I would have to go with Eric Dubé. He's been really somebody that has been a real uh, inspiration and in getting me into flat earth and, um, you know, making me actually take it seriously. Oh yeah, dude. Dubé is Dubé is pretty on point. He he's got a a few crazy ideas, but I I feel like he's he's pretty much there. His main points are good. That he he's pushing the right agenda. I feel like with the fact that we have an intelligent creator and and we're designed and and then there's more to back up his stance instead of just it's a lie. Like he goes into a lot of detail. And, but but one of the things that that I think is missing in in the in, in the environment is a look at the southern astronomical observations, and a lot of people don't take those into account. Um, you remember how Dubé said Polaris never moves? Yes. So so the fact of the matter is Polaris does move. It just doesn't move every day. And there's this thing called the Great Year which is uh, like a 26,000-year cycle in, in the celestial pole circles above us. And over the course of this like 26,000-year period, the celestial equator also goes back and forth north to south. So what I've come to realize is that the, the main flat Earth model is a little bit skewed. It's, uh, it has a northern perspective bias. I'm sure you're familiar with the the AE map, right? Uh, what's that? That's the the, the azimuthal equidistant projection. The it's like the main flat Earth map, like the with the ice wall around it and stuff like that. Oh, okay, cool. It, it it's uh, it was so part is that of, the most accepted one? Like, is that the one that would be like the go-to if somebody was to ask me um, for a flat Earth map? Would that be the best one? Yeah, so to to some degree, that's the one that's being popularized. It's the Gleason map that um, I forget what his first name was, but Gleason was the guy that made the map a few, I think maybe just a couple hundred years ago. But it's it's a northern perspective bias, so it it just portrays the North Pole at the center and the South Pole as the outer ring, which is fine if if you're just looking at the northern part of the Earth, but it distorts the southern part. So then there's another thing called the southern polar azimuthal equidistant projection and a lot of people don't look at and it puts the south pole at the center and the north pole around the edges. And a lot of people a lot of people are not looking into that because it they're just looking at one side of it. And when you put the two maps together, the north polar and the south polar you get this picture of of this uh, two-poled flat Earth hey, model. Dan, can I just put you on uh, pause for one second? Please don't lose your train of thought. Uh, we just had somebody else join the group chat. Hello, are you there? Hey, it's Sherry. Hey, Sherry. Welcome to the first ever End of Days Radio Roundtable discussion. Oh, yes, I'm so excited to be here. I miss you all so much, but I didn't want to interrupt. Let him go ahead and continue. I actually have my own 
theory of our Earth. I'll, I'll, I'll tell it to him when he's done. Please continue, Dan. Oh, yeah, definitely. I'll, I'll keep it short and sweet. The, the basic idea is that we have two poles because north needs south like uh, up needs down. And, and we have a north pole and a south pole, and the sun moves in a circle around each pole, but six months at a time. So what's on the normal flat Earth model is the sun makes a circle in only one circle. And what's evident is when you take into account the southern astronomical observations that, that the stars make a circle around the southern part of the Earth as well. And the only way to reconcile that is that there's two poles and the stars are circling around each and so does the sun, um, which also means the moon follows suit because it's the polar opposite. And the moon spins 14 days around each pole, 14 days around the other pole. So it basically visits each pole once per month on a 28-day cycle. And, and I find that pretty interesting, that correlation. But it's basically a, a new way of looking at the flat Earth model because the north polar uh, projection is a little bit off. It's not quite right. You know what I mean? It's just like a one-sided perspective. Yeah, the most we can kind of do at the moment is is guesstimate because it's not like it's not like anybody's actually been in space looking down. I mean, theoretically, people have been up there, but it's questionable. All the different models and all the different maps we have are are very questionable. Like, why mm -hmm. is it that when we go from Seattle to New York or New York to Seattle, why does it take the same amount of time if we're flying into the Earth's curve? It just doesn't make sense. Oh, right. Yeah, that's a big one. Flights are flights are something else. The flight paths definitely prove the Earth is flat. What, what was your uh, what was your take on the the model? I forget what was your name. Sherry. Sherry. Hey. Yeah. hey. hey. Well, <laughs> okay. So you might y'all might think this is dumb, but there there's this channel on YouTube that I watch called Enter the Stars, and um, he put out this thing that really resonated with me, and it was like that the Earth is shaped like god's eye and we live on the convex lens and it's so weird because if you look at like oh this is so bad because like i'm a nurse and i'm supposed to know all this anatomy and physiology but like on the sides like like there's certain uh things on the earth that look like the anatomy of the eye anyway like certain mountain ranges or whatever yeah. and it's really cool and uh it's just neat because I found there's a lot of stuff that goes along with the body and the anatomy and the Bible and then and stuff like that that's cool, you know. And yeah, then I don't I don't know, but it's just really neat. I hope y'all look at it because I can't explain it good. I wanted to try to do a little show on it once, but I I just I, I'm not good at like organizing stuff, you know. Yeah, what's the YouTube channel name again? It's called Enter the Stars, and he um, if you type in like earth isn't is god like just to put in like earth god's eye but his, okay. it's enter and he's and it's five he spells stars five t four r z oh, okay but anyway yeah i mean um, just check I, hello, it out i'm gonna this just pause cool. pause you for one second sherry hold on to that thought we had a new person enter the group chat hello what's going on gang oh it's todd <laughs> Hey, how is everybody? Hey, Todd. Doing, doing we, 
We're here with Dan calling from the East Coast. We got Sherry on here. We also got Mad Warrior on here. So we've got a total of, what, five people on the line tonight, and we're just kind of getting into the flat earth a little bit. Uh, Sherry, go ahead and finish your thought. Okay, the, the, um, oh man, I just had a thought and it went away. Hold on. Okay, so I just think that it should be looked into because like in the Bible, there's a Mandela effect where it used to say on the Lord's Prayer, on earth as it is in heaven, and now it says in earth as it is in heaven. And if we lived in God's eye, we would be in the earth. Yay. Ah, I see, I see. That's a good way of looking at it. Yeah, and like this friend of mine, and he was he was kind of telling me at first I was thinking all these changes were like, like you know the Antichrist or something, but it's almost like revealing a lot of truth, some things. Yeah, I think apocalypse means awakening, actually. Right. I think that's pretty cool how that. It's like we are in the apocalypse in a sort of way. Yeah, a lot of people yeah. will come at me and they'll be like, Daniel, you're always talking about end of days, doom and gloom. It's so depressing. But I just want everybody else there to know it's not like that. Really, the end of days is nothing but a new beginning. There is a beginning after the end, so to speak. Once the world blows up, it'll be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Todd, you doing good? I'm just curious. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm it's doing Al's good. How's everybody? Good. Al's it's on Al's the road. Coming. Oh, okay. Al's on the road, damn it. I'm like, you're not calling in? No. That means I got to call in and represent us both, yeah. That, that's all right. Can represent. He drives and switches places with his buddy. Well, Todd, so do you believe the Earth's flat? Um, I know they're hiding a bunch of stuff from us, a bunch of it. And, hmm, I'm an artist, so I know what, uh, you know, if you go into art class, um, they'll show you how you can take a light and, and they have these solar system models where you can move them around these balls on a stand and it shows you where the shadow would fall. So that all proves that these objects are probably round. These objects we're looking at, you know, the moon, the moon. You know, I saw an um, interesting video y'all should check out. And it's like, if you type in Toy Story and uh, moon landing, and it shows all these, you know, back and forth, these hints that were in the movie Toy Story and all the stuff was yeah. about the shining and all that stuff and it was Stanley Kubrick and all you know him filming the moon landing and it's pretty cool yeah check yeah that, that, out. Stuff, that stuff with Stanley Kubrick's really weird I, I've looked into that pretty deep the last movie he made was Eyes Wide Shut and yeah. they they cut out about 45 minutes that he wanted to have in the movie and then he died, died. Yes. Shortly there. You there, still Dan? Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I'm uh, trying to add another person to the call. They just keep coming in faster than I can keep up. So if you hear some dialing, I do apologize. I know it's probably super annoying, but trying to give. I know it sounds fine. Okay, good. Sorry, it's so so good to hear from you. And and uh, are you doing good? Everything all right? Everything going all right? 
Yeah, doing good, doing good. And me and Darby still hearing from Michael Jackson, so I'll right never on forget. Tell Darby I said I. I will. And, uh, when, and then Dan, Daniel, is it, is your name Dan or Daniel? There's Dan and a Daniel. Yeah, I'm Dan. Dan, Dan, how you doing? Doing all right, man. I had a question about that you were saying about the solar system where you were seeing all the like the round things on the sticks. And the no, in art class, in art class, yeah, that in like school they've got those models where you can move the things around, hold the light. Yeah, yeah. I, I was okay, wondering guys, if you, guys, if you ever looked second, into the uh, Ticonic system, like Tycho Brahe's model of the solar system. Guys, one second, the please night. hold that thought. Hold that thought. We do have one person that just joined. Hello, are you there? Yeah, I'm totally here. I can hear you well. And who's this? This is uh, this is Alexandros Filth. Alexandros Filth, good to hear from you again. Whoa. Welcome to the End of Days Radio Roundtable Show. We got like six or seven people on here already. Um, we, we are. No, I, getting... I kind of heard uh, on the on the radio broadcast. I actually went to the website. Excellent, excellent. And we're kind of just oh, cool. vamping back and forth. Um, Todd, Dan, uh, please continue your thoughts. Oh, yeah. So, Todd, I was wondering, if have you ever looked into the Tikonic model, the solar system, Tico Brahe's model? Yeah, well, he said that um, actually the universe, uh, the greatest the greatest possible flattery we can give God is to create a virtual universe, not unlike the one that we inhabit. I can see that. Yeah, I, I, I was... Yeah, I was I was mentioning that because the uh the way he models it is the sun is the center of the solar system but that it's actually moving over the face of the earth with the planets in tow and as in to say like the uh the planets do orbit the sun indeed but it's the sun that moves over the earth and we can see all this happening from underneath it. And I think Correct. that's the way of looking at it. Yeah, well, the, the entire universe is actually dynamically moving. It's it's not just one single you know iteration. We're we're spinning around our galaxy, and our galaxies themselves are are moving, um, not unlike a kind of contained spaceship uh, through the universe. I mean, the entire universe operates not unlike how if you were an artist and you had an easel and you knocked over the ink well, well the ink is going to keep spilling. Well, that's what's happening with space. Space is constantly flowing, and it's flowing from a high concentration to a low concentration and spreading out. Um, and as it's spreading out, it's dragging all the rest of matter along with it as debris in the flow of the river. Yeah. That's kind yeah. of how they'll say that gravity works, like a big, heavy object. Like in the, in the current scientific model, basically they're saying the Earth is so big that it's, it's pulling on things around it, all these large objects they pull stuff around them i'm not sure if i really buy into that model because we haven't really proven gravity but it, it that's that's kind of what we have to look at now i guess yeah. you could say newton newton said um i think that he said it best that it's as if there is a force that is pushing us downwards not pulling us towards the earth you know and it's the reason why we just don't fly off the surface of the planet and that makes that's, sense if you think about it because yeah. objects um, at the bottom of the ocean under under a tremendous amount of pressure because of the uh, the density of the water compounded, right, as the molecules get closer and closer together in places like the Marianas Trench. Well, how come it also isn't true, if you think about it, that air is also crushing down on us, right? We're sitting at, like SpongeBob at the bottom of an air ocean, and the air is what's pushing us down. It's not so much that the that the earth is pulling us towards the center. 
This is a function of electromagnetism. Electromagnetism, because of its causal force, is fundamentally pulling or rather pushing the air down towards the center of the planet and then keeps the air at a level like a, like a glass that's full of water. You can see the, the bubble of water at the very, very tippy top. Well, the air inside of our atmosphere is not very unlike this behavior. It operates in the same kind of principle. And it's just a function of electromagnetism as we're seeing it. But, um, right. you know, physicists don't like to explain gravity as a function of electromagnetism or as a coefficient of electromagnetism. Exactly. That's why I think Coulomb, uh, Coulomb's law uh, describes it better than Newton. The uh, What did Coulomb say? The, I looked it up because it's such an interesting definition. The magnitude of the electrostatic force of attraction or repulsion between two-point charges is directly proportional to the product of the magnitudes of the charges and inversely proportional to the square of the distance between them. So it's like saying what Newton said, just more detailed. Well, not just that, but if you think about the, the currents in the ocean and how there are places where um, different salinities of water will exchange with less salinity or more salinity, um, I think uh, probably one of the more remarkable parts of that. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Yeah. Hold on, let, me, let, me let me try, try fixing my phone off because I think you're getting an echo because of the phone. And we just had a new, a new individual join the right, line. This should be a lot better. Somebody just jumped off. And who are we speaking to now? Let me get my. And I might have to um, limit it to that number of this number of people for now. It is getting a little hectic, so we'll probably have to keep it at about um, six or seven at a time. Okay. Where's the mad warrior? Mad yeah, warrior, yeah. are you still there? Yeah. So imagine, like you were saying, like the. So, so, uh, hey, hey, hold on a second before you go on with that, because that's incredible. As, 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 and Andreas, that's incredible. Um, is the Mad Warrior here? Sounds like Mad Warrior has gone silent. She doesn't talk, she just listens. <laughs> All right, Dan, go not, ahead. Not there? Okay, no, just checking. <laughs> kind of interesting. <laughs> I'm the bad boy. <laughs> I'm not here. Um, sorry, Alex. Uh, 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 go on with that conversation you were just having. The because um, the whenever the uh, fluid in the our atmosphere is a gas, right? Because gas, like you were saying, gas and, and liquids are all on fluid dynamics. So the the pressure system in the ocean is the same as the pressure system in our atmosphere because we're at the bottom of a gaseous ocean. And my idea is that space is another ocean as well. It's just a, a of another type of fluid, maybe of a, of a superfluid nature because that has a zero viscosity property like uh, like a vacuum would. But a vacuum can't exist next to a pressurized system without a solid barrier. And I don't. I personally don't think we have a solid barrier anywhere so the only way to counteract that was is to say that it's just another permeable uh, membrane above us separating us from space just like the um dolphin can jump out of the ocean into the air i think we can jump out of 
the air and into space in the same fashion. Space dolphins. That's a, so, oh, I love that. That's a movie. So, so I got to ask you: Do you think the world's flat? Yeah, because that's the only way it makes sense. Because all fluids find their level. The liquid ocean finds its level. Our liquid, uh, our fluid atmosphere yeah, finds its level. Yeah, A level. Just put a level out there. It levels out. Water yeah. levels out. It's not going in a circle. Right. Everything's <laughs> level. Like, that's why I started saying Earth isn't flat. It's level because level is what we can prove. We have mountains and valleys, but everything levels out. Always. Yeah. And this well, is I'm not trying to be slinging Bible, but it does say that that God put an angel on all four corners of the earth. Now, how would you have a corner on a ball? Just saying. Yeah. <laughs> how would you have a corner on a ball? Yeah. Well. Yeah. That's true. That's true. Yeah. That this uh, Darren Nesbitt is working on a, a, a model too, based off of that. Um, what as he's called it, the the square model, just because of the four corner thing. The uh, to to me, I could see the four corners being just a like a metaphor, but it could literally be a description to to say that it's it doesn't curve because it nobody can prove that it does curve. You mean like a metaphor for like northwest, east, south, or something? Well, in a sense, like the uh, well, because the, the context of it was basically the everything is so vast. Like he, well, I forget the exact context, but it's like you separate them from the four corners or spread them out to the four corners. It's like there's no end to it. So I think I think the plane that we live on may be infinite, and it may be the material plane of existence that exists above the what I call the ethereal and what some people call the spiritual because I don't think anything in the material happens unless it happens first in the spiritual as if this is the effect and the and the cause is the spiritual or, or ethereal. Is your, oh, is your first name is your first name Greg? Dan. His name is Dan. 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 Yeah. Dan, Dan. 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 No, that's not Dan. <laughs> that's the other one. <laughs> yeah, it's a, definitely a stack. Oh, that's right Alexandri. That's Alexandri. We got Alexandros, Sherry, we got Dan, we got Todd, we got a couple other people talking the there. Alexandros is the one that was just talking. No, nah, that's no, me, Dan. That's Dan. That was Dan? Damn, Dan. Sounded <laughs> like Alexandros for a minute. Oh, my God. Well, Dan, hey, what's, what's really in, neat? What's really neat about that? Daniels? What's really neat about that is if you look at um, ancient Sumer and their whole thing about Anu and the Anunnaki and all that. Well, Anu is just—he's supposed to be the sky. He's not necessarily supposed to be an entity or an alien or anything like that. He's just the sky. Hmm. Yeah. I've often thought the Anunnaki could be a, a legitimate thing, and, and instead of extraterrestrials, they could just be our neighbors that we forgot about, because if if Earth is the only terrestrial plane, then we don't have extraterrestrials. They're just our neighbors from across the the way that we forgot about. Mm. Well, I know I'm simple-minded, but I think that everybody, everything, every alien and every angel is just an orb. You know, like we're just all orbs. We're just conscious at the end of the basically. day. Yeah, there. You, I'm sorry, yeah. that's what I mean. So when we go to sleep, we turn into a little ball of light that flies around the universe. And... Yeah. 
Yeah, I was trying to get um, Cody to, like, do that one time and let me see if I could film him. Like, come in, you know, because I can film orbs and stuff and get him to come over yeah. and film. Totally. We were going to do that experiment, but we never did it. When you do totally. DMT, that, sound, that sounds about like what you experience, actually. So, yeah. Really? Float around. Yeah, well, I, I know. I mean, actually, psilocybin is when I feel like it, you, did, you roll around in psilocybin, but... Did um, you do DMT recently? Yeah, it was probably a few months ago. I, I made some... A few months and, ago? Yeah. Oh, damn. Oh, damn. Daniel, where do you live? <laughs> Dan, where do you live? Uh, I'm in New York. New York, okay. <laughs> Out west. Yeah. Yeah, I'm California, around. maybe they're making that DMT, but was this pure? Was this pure DMT? Did you smoke it, or was it ayahuasca? It was uh, the DMT crystal, so it was the NN DMT instead of the five meo DMT that's in ayahuasca. Damn, Daniel, indeed. <laughs> Whoa! What did you see? What did you see? Well, what I realized is that everything is ultimately connected and what I mean is there I, I personally don't think there's an individual soul anymore because I feel like we're all what I was connected. seeing was myself in another dimension in a, in a sort of hyper dimensional mirror per se and it was like I was conversing with myself but it was a humanoid geometric faceless figure that I was being greeted by and it was like it was myself and I, I saw myself in it and so many other crazy things happened that I realized that there's Really, we're all just yeah. one ocean, and we're we're. Yeah, you the, saw you saw beyond the veil, right? And when you come down, you see the you see the curtains close. There's about ten curtains that just close yeah. one after the other, and then you're back into totally. this reality. Totally, it's, it's really fascinating. I, I highly recommend it. What I'm saying. You highly recommend it. Right on. <laughs> Can't wait till it becomes legal in the state by me. Uh, no. Yeah, that's Anybody. the funny thing. All the ingredients are legal. It's just after you make it, it's not. <laughs> it's crazy. And if you want to join the roundtable tonight, remember you can last, call in man? at 209-348-9810 or just add NinjaShoe777 on Skype. If you want to join the roundtable, once again, that's 209-348-9810 or just add NinjaShoe777 or End of Days Radio on Skype. Sorry, go ahead. Hey, Dan, when you take it, how long does the trip last? Uh, well, it hits you in about five seconds, and then you're there. And then you, in the first 60 seconds, you're greeted by the, well, I don't even know what to call, if it's a them or a it or a they, but you're, you, you, there is an intelligence that you meet within the first 60 seconds, and then it portrays like this story that you have to observe and watch and learn something from, I feel like. And then after about five, ten minutes, it all fades fades away after about ten minutes. Ten minutes later, uh, you come out and you're kind of yourself again. Unlike LSD, where LSD changes your perception, you, you, whenever you blast off from DMT, you you stay yourself, but you your where you are changes. It feels like your mind stays the same, but after about ten minutes, 
you, you recognize you're back here and I like I after 20 minutes I was driving again so it was it's really yeah. fast and really sharp sharp is the best wow. way I can explain it wow yeah so that gets, had, that gets the message over fast yeah have you ever had like a bad experience with it or they've all been positive uh, well, I at that point because I've I've done a lot of a few other types of psychedelics, I've found there's no bad trip. Actually, it's just a matter of perception. Um, but bad experiences, honestly, is what set and setting. It, it, yeah, it, yeah. It, if your set is wrong and your setting is wrong, something may go off. But as long as you get that in place, everything will just you just enjoy the ride. It, there's Nothing to be scared of, and it, as long as you know that you're diving into your own mind, that's the only thing that matters. As long as you're okay with that. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah, yeah, baby. I used to be really into psychedelics. Like I used to trip all the time, but I've recently just—it's just too much for me now. When I go into that space and reality just starts crumbling around me, I just kind of freak out. I feel like I've gone far enough, and I just don't need to do that anymore. <laughs> right on, Dad. Maybe you shouldn't do it. <laughs> it's only ten minutes long, so go for it, Daniel. Oh yeah, it's definitely the best roller coaster ride ever. If if you Whoa. like LSD, it's it's the LSD ten hour experience condensed into ten minutes, and. Ugh. It's it's a download that takes two weeks to digest. I didn't even realize what was going on until like two Get a notebook. Later. Get a notebook. Make sure you get a notebook and fill it out. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, write, all, write all that down. Wow. That's another thing I've heard. A lot of people have told me that when they have these psychedelic experiences, they don't really learn and they don't really integrate it until like the following weeks. It all just kind of unravels for them. Synchronicities, man, they'll, they'll drive you crazy. I think, I think most people don't realize what it is they're seeing when they do them. And even if they do get the message like uh, Dan was talking about, that we're all connected, because I've seen that message, Dan, without your DMT. Right. I've had that experience myself, that that realization that we're all connected. and uh, And you laugh. As soon as you get that realization, you laugh. Mm -hmm. I, I just remember laughing my ass off because whatever fear or anxiety you had outside in the outside world, it's ridiculous once you have that realization. Yeah. You know, and, uh, Daniel, um, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Todd. Oh, oh no, I'm sorry. I, I, I don't want to be long-winded. I was just talking about, uh, yeah, that, that, that realization you were talking about there, Dan. Mm -hmm. I was just going to say really quick that um, what Daniel had just said about a couple weeks, like to let Seth, like, you know, process or whatever. It's funny because I haven't really did any drugs because I went from like just say no high school student to being a nurse. I mean, you know, they drug test you and everything. So I haven't even ever smoked marijuana and I'm like going to be 50. So well, you're, with that you're... said, though, I had... um. I, I don't know if y'all have heard of, like, QHHT or BQH, like, hypnosis, but I've had that done, like, three or four times and had a lot of really weird experiences, really neat ones that, you know, I saw a bunch of stuff like that and everything, and it took, a, it takes a couple weeks for it to all 
like integrate or something. It's kind of sounded like what you were saying, Daniel. If your mind, you know, typically the mind is where the thoughts originate from. So where would you stand to look back at the origin of your thoughts? And it's a really interesting idea, but you know, when, when it actually occurs, it's like this mirror because only seeing is nothing other than yourself seeing yourself. Mm -hmm. And so you live where? Uh, Louisiana. Louisiana. You're yep. a nurse, right? Mm-hmm. You're uh, a nurse. Yeah. Yes. Um, uh, I love that you love your soul, Sherry, but um, people in New York and people that are doing the DMT, they're riding a different way than people in Louisiana, a nurse in Louisiana, <laughs> you, you know? No, I actually would bit, try yeah. I would try it, though, if I if it was, you know, like, legal. If it but, was I mean, available, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I would try it, and I would do, like, peyote or something, too, probably. You know, I just don't want to see any aliens. I don't want to see any aliens. I hate town. aliens. They don't have all those crazy things like New York. Mm, nope. <laughs> no, I have nothing like that. Go I'll ahead, you, Dan. I'll like, I tell you, you do have a somewhat of a DMT experience every time you dream, so they say. I think that's pretty cool. Well, well I mean, you can always like go with Selene Capensis. basically puts you into the uh, the White Plains dream state. Um, that's the Zosa tribe in Africa. You know, it's I'm the sorry, sacred dreamer of the Zosa tribe. Is that a drug? Oh, wow, and, I want to look that uh, up. Selene Capensis allows up? mechanical lucid dreaming. No, it's it's a root. It's called the African dream root, Selene Capensis, S-I-L-E-N-E, um, Capensis, C-A-P-E-N-S-I-S, I believe. Can you get that at the the counter. You you manufacture it into a tea. You have to you have to eat the froth of the tea, and so that's can I get it at GNC? What's that? I want to buy that. I'm just kidding. I asked if I could get it at GNC. No, no, no. You'd have to order it on Amazon. There's a couple of places online you can get it, but it's perfectly legal. How do you spell it? If you're going to go that route, you might as well just mix in some blue lotus. Okay. Hey, I bought I tried stuff like that. I bought something recently called like Fabanzo or something like that. You might I don't know. It was like some kind of drop. But it didn't really do anything. I bought some natural mushrooms from my local health food store today in capsules that claim to help your brain work better. Are uh, you talking about lion's mane? Yep, lion's mane. Yeah, it's fantastic stuff. I thought Daniel's show's coming on tonight. He's, he's inviting everyone. I better get some of this. I've never tried it before. I'm on it tonight. I need some of that because all this pot is making me dumber and dumber. It's totally <laughs> legal. I bought it at the nutrition store. <laughs> Hasn't kicked in yet, though. Oh, well, you know, here's, the, here's the thing with, with any kind of um, uh, uh, stack you know, if you're going to take it, um, you have to drink a lot of water. And then, of course, you need a... Yeah, uh, beer doesn't work. Beer doesn't work. <laughs> no, it's, just like, it's just like if you if you end up, you know, because there's a lot of people that, that do. If you end up smoking weed and then, like, it makes you really inspired, you know what I mean? Like, you yeah. have to use... A lot of people will smoke and then they waste it. They don't do anything functional with it. 
It's the same thing with lion's mane. You have to find something that like it, it kind of enhances a little bit, and then you follow through, and you actually use it to do whatever its functional purpose was meant to do. Yeah, which is this show tonight. That's why I'm calling in <laughs> on lion's mane. <laughs> It's like that movie, that movie Limitless. The help feed store. <laughs> that Sorry, movie uh, Limitless, where that, they develop that pill, and that guy starts taking it, and he gets his girlfriend back. He becomes rich off the stock MDT, market. You're talking about Limitless, yeah. <laughs> I have a question. Well, I guess, about I guess MDT is is pretty close to that Limitless drug because what it does Whoa. is it kind of resets things, and it gives you a different perspective. So you know, from that point forward, you know, what are you really up to? What are you really doing? Sounds like a commercial for DMT. I can't wait till it comes to Well, life. you know, I'm going to be honest with you. You know, these psychedelics, they can be really dangerous, too, because a lot of people are, are throwing this stuff around like it's some kind of toy, and it's totally not. It's, it can be yeah. extremely dangerous because it can, it can permanently change and alter your brain chemistry and your neurochemistry. Um, it well, changes your, your thought patterns permanently. Yeah, exactly. And, and if, if you're you do, stupid, like, you might not I, survive. I we're manipulating people on drugs like this, you know? Um, mescaline, oh, yeah. LSD, you know, the counterculture movement completely created a paradigm shift in the United States and the world, and that was all fueled by LSD and some of these other psychedelic drugs. That the CIA was completely behind. Well, that was all part of that MK Ultra program that was, um, that was just mind experimentation. They were trying to figure out how to control mass amounts of people and get them to, to do certain things in a certain way, and it worked. Exactly. I mean, at this point now, what we're seeing is... Like, even now, as we're talking, okay, the government has, I say the government, the individuals in government has engineered things in such a perfect way that it allows them to, um, well, basically we're in a position where we are vulnerable to everything that they want to happen. If we have an action, like if we start a movement, they've already anticipated that we're going to have a movement because of everything that they've done. They're not stupid. They know that we're oh, going yeah. to react to their stimuli. Yeah. And so totally. what we have to do is have to be really careful as we tread forward. If we're going to start a revolution, it cannot ever be allowed to play into their hands so they can declare martial law. But unfortunately, unless we can get the word out fast enough, there will be a Leroy Jenkins type character or group of individuals that will inevitably start like violent infighting and then they're going to declare martial law. And then, of course, the cabal starts to win. So that's like one of the biggest things, one of the biggest threats against public uh, security now is that we're in this situation where it's like the cabal's basically painted us all into a corner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we want to avoid like as many bad probable outcomes as possible because all the stuff in Revelation, it's just warnings about like one scroll or one seal represents a group of bad probable outcomes. Any number of different bad things can happen from the invention of, like, virtual reality or um, roboticization or uh, cryptocurrency being introduced at the global level, you know, creating one world currency. Um, You know, one world government can actually go really, really wrong as well, or it can go really, really well. And so, like, it's it's about education and educating the public about Mm -hmm. exactly what is a breakaway society and why is it that the cabal does not ever want us to realize that a breakaway society is not only possible, but we can actually be in control, you know, it said um, our own autonomy, you know, as a human race, as opposed to there being like a global alliance that's in control of not only everything on Earth, but everything that's leaving Earth. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've, I've, heard many times yeah. that, I've heard many times <laughs> that the, uh, 
psychedelic movement with all the Illuminati, it was all intelligence agencies and stuff like that. It does make sense, but I just have to wonder, because these substances are so chaotic, like, what kind of gamble would that be for them? Could they really throw this stuff out there and expect it yeah, to give them the results just as many, Just as many people that are taking this and having, like, enlightened revolutions, there are probably just as many that, like, have an enlightened revolution and go back to the same old way of life they were living before. Nothing changes, you know, like, they, they go oh, back to their what, 9 to 5. What it is is, be like, pretend like none of this is really happening. You know what I mean? What it is is uneducated individuals that don't realize what is occurring to them. The people that are putting out the drugs trying to, you know, produce the mind like, control. Like I said, that's they why know, this stuff is so dangerous. They know what's you know? going on. They know what's going on, but your average idiot that's never been exposed to it before would have no idea of the incredible thing that just happened to him because he can't put it into a he can't realize what, Yeah, yep. he can't realize what just happened to him. So they rely on that stupidity, stupid people. But we got some smart people on here. Is that Alexander? That that be me. Yeah, I'm Alexandrus. I'm a I'm a physicist and, and a cyberneticist and uh, artificial and intelligence. I, I, no, I remember you, dude. You, you're on one of Daniel's best shows, the Flat Earth Heavy Metal Show. I remember the show. Yeah, that's why I wanted to hop back on and talk with you guys again. It's going to be great. You're the musician that's just in Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I dabble in music, but I don't do it full time. Nowhere near. Oh, me neither. But just appreciation for music. I remember you. Your show was pretty cool. Alexander, what do you think about amanita muscari? Have you ever uh, had any experience with those types of mushrooms, by chance? Um, you know, I've had a couple. Um, I think I've had a couple of penis envy. Um, I've had. Um, oh gosh. Uh, the the wizard caps, I think, is one of the nicknames for them. But I haven't had like a takeoff experience because my my threshold on what I constitute as being the fabric of reality is very very high. It's very difficult to, for my mind to let go of what objective reality is. Mm-hmm. So my dosage is very very different from what most people's dosages are. So mm-hmm. like you know, in order to get like a decent LSD experience, you know, I took um, seven hits that were double dipped. Of pure oh LSD. Yeah, so oh, most no, people wouldn't no, even no. think about ever taking that much, but for me, that's what it took. And then, you know, it was like, okay, all right, I understand what people are talking about with this experience now. It makes sense. Um, and of course, shrooms is probably going to be the same thing. A hero dose for me is going to be very different than most other people. So I'm probably going to have to take a quarter to a half an ounce. Yeah, that sounds about right. I remember McKenna talking about five dry grams being the, the perfect solution. But I was wondering about the Amanita muscaria because that's like the Christmas mushroom. I've never been able to, to find one to uh, to take or whatnot. But I was just wondering if because I've heard it's so much different than psilocybin. I got like, some like, off a website a long, long time ago, and it, first off, it tasted like snot mixed with feet, and it did <laughs> nothing at all. Oh, you know what snot tastes like, Daniel? Uh, a lifetime of picking my nose and eating it, Sherry. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm trying to keep up with the physics here. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> I'd be interested to try some Amanita muscaria. You know, it it seems plausible to me that people like Moses, aka Akhenaten, might have gotten his hands on some of that stuff. I mean, the Egyptians were definitely dabbling in psychedelic stuff. One of their favorite things was blue lotus, which is well known as a psychoactive uh, substance. 
Um, you know, stuff like so that. You was get even that at the health food store? <laughs> no, you get it on. No, Amazon no, no. Food. Stuff like that was even used by um, widely used by um, our good friend King Solomon um, and and you know other mystics of that time. Wow, that's so cool. Well, pharmacia, yeah, that goes way back. And some of this stuff is that's forced <laughs> on us. Like fluoride, for example, is put in our water, and we don't have any say in it at all. Well, that's changing now. All across the nation now, people have been speaking out. And honestly, that's one of the best things that we can do is is talk in places like this and get more people informed and involved um, and go ahead and spread the word so that people can talk to their municipalities, talk to their water districts and say, look, we're not okay with – we don't want this poison in our bodies. Yeah, yeah. I've even gone so far as to get a shower filter so my shower water is good. <laughs> I mean, in some places of the world, they've been talking about putting lithium directly in the water, not not just, you know, something as as, uh, as simple as fluoride. They want to put a very, very heavy metal, like, you know, this stuff is very, it has a high level of risk factors that are involved with brain damage and permanent brain chemistry modification. It's it's there's, crazy what, what some of these organizations been, are trying to do to the public. There's been um, places where they have either sprayed or they've talked about spraying chemicals so that every they can calm everybody down. Oh, I'm sure there's well, lots of stuff these like new, that going This on. new treatment that I was just reading about, um, and they take mescaline and it's a it's a nasal spray and it's for depression. And yeah. they're, they're really they're really looking at human trials with EPA and they're and they're really looking to turn this into a kind of drug that they can uh, widely distribute. In Salt Lake City in the 90s, there was a test that I read about in our local newspaper where they sprayed viruses, cold viruses, from the sky to see what would happen with the um, cold pill sales at, at the supermarket. I heard they did that with, at, at the, on the lunar eclipse line, this last one that we had. No, they admitted that they sprayed the sky with cold virus to see how many people would come in and buy cold tablets. Yeah. And they can do stuff like One of the, one of the most famous things that's it. going on right now is that, you know, generally speaking, we have a very high level of cognitive dissonance in the population, and that's not an accident. That's 100% on purpose. They, totally. they need us to, to be so afraid to believe what's going on around them, that they will quite literally believe lies over the truth because it's more convenient for them. And that's where, like, the general public is right now. It's an extremely yeah. dangerous situation because armed with the truth, and here, here's the problem, you can't trust anything that the government says anymore. That's literally one of the worst situations you can possibly ever find yourself in is to have a nation this large with this much population totally. and have cognitive dissonance at an all-time high to a point where even real news is not even being believed by the general public. This is exactly yeah. the situation they need us to be in in order for their disclosure movement to really pull off so that they can get the focus and the um, attention of the global populace on whatever bandwagon idea they've got coming next. But ex Alexander, Alexander, look at this. Look at all their failed wars everywhere. Oh, I, I'm well aware. I was in the United States Marine Corps. Um, so, Alexander, yeah. I got a question. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Todd. Yes, ma'am. Oh, I'll finish with their next campaign. If they think they're going to make this place, if they think they're going to, you know, do a number on this place, look at all their failed wars. They're not. What they're running into, Alexander, is the snafu principle. 
Yeah, well, the, the answers, okay, are in the people themselves because we have the power. And so unless we yeah. actually gather together and we start doing something, they're going to get away with everything that they've got planned. And we just have yeah. to do it in a way that they're not going to expect because they, they have a very high level of hubris. They don't expect us to do something that is passive resistance. They don't expect us to throw a party. There are certain things they're never going to expect us to do, and that's what we need to focus on doing. And that's one of the reasons why I'm running for president. Oh, I like cool. your thinking. I might vote for you. Oh, yes. Hey, I got a oh, question. Yeah. I would like – I want to know if uh, what you and Dan's take is on the Mandela effect. Oh. Yeah, okay, so it's really interesting. Um, I actually have a really good explanation for this. Okay, uh, okay. so let's say, let's say that um, you take a thousand people, like a town of a thousand people, and ten of them are atheists, okay? They, they choose not to believe in God. But in this town of a thousand people, okay, um, all of them go to church, even the atheists, right? So everybody in the town whether or not they've read the Bible or not, is intrinsically affected by the words and the tone, the theme, the ideas, the stories, the culture of the Bible itself. Now, we're not in a village of a thousand people anymore. Now we're going to go out to the world. Ninety percent of the world's population, whether they are Christian or not, has in the back of their mind, in their subconscious, the words of the Bible sort of playing along almost like this invisible poem that they can't themselves understand or read or discern. That's the situation that we're at. Mm-hmm. The, the Bible, all the way from the Hebrew text to the Greek text, all the way to the English text, the New King James Version, is nothing more than a human basic programming manual system. And human beings are the computers. So mm-hmm. this system has overall programmed a lot of us. And it's not just the Bible, okay? It's other certain social information, right? And so whenever you want to shove more information in, certain things have to leave or they have to go in the background. They have to sit in a dusty closet. So that's how I explain the Mandela effect is because that not, that knowledge was at one time common, but there's like a little shift when it sat in the cobwebs for too long, and some people remember it differently than other people. And this also well, has to do with the multiple to the Bernstein Bears book. Yeah, when I was a kid, I remember. Store the other day. Think alike, Todd. The book says Bernstein's, and I specifically remember it being Bernstein. That, that makes two of us, buddy. Yeah. Same here. I'm Me looking too. at this book going, it's not Bernstein. It never was when I was a kid. It's Bernstein. So I specifically I again, remember like, comparing them things? to Germans when I was a kid. I specifically remember that. Yeah, it's not staying. That's like an American spelling of. You know, what I think it could be is, you know, whenever you put dye in a fluid and you can see the current flow. Imagine if you put some information in the Internet and see how it flows. I think they may be testing the way information yeah, flows in the Internet. Yeah, it's all part of that cognitive dissonance thing, okay? They're, yeah, they're trying to take physical reality, man. It shows up in the physical reality, though. I'm looking for books that say Bernstein because I'm convinced that the old ones... Have you guys ever heard of the term Gaslight? Yeah, I have actually. It's a psychological, it's also a legal term. Have you ever heard of the term Gaslighting? Yes, I have. I know a lot about all that. The idea is with with this Mandela effect thing is they want to make, just like the flat earth because it's working, 
Um, they want to create a situation where there's these people that believe it, and then there's a whole other group of people that want to divide the It's just another method of them to be able to divide the populace. And really, that's all this is, is they, they can actually control whether or not you believe something is being true. Uh, True Stream Media on YouTube has a really good series where they talk about some of these concepts. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I always thought that the flat, round Earth was a divine conquer thing, and that's why I thought that it probably wasn't either one in that. You know, that's why I came up with some little God's eye theory. But I mean, with the Mandela you effect, you know, uh, Wait, are you telling me you've seen God's eye too? Yes. So how many people here in this broadcast have seen it? I've seen it. Um, not sure what I, what I would be looking for. I'm a little confused on that one. You, you have it's, hard, it's hard to explain. Yeah. Um, you, you, you would be overpowered with emotion. You're probably you would probably have openly wept. Um, it's like yeah. overpowered. Like it's, it's as if you see it's you. So can't bright, see it's so bright. It's so bright. You can't look directly at it. You have to yeah, see. Your it eyes are closed. They're, they're just like yeah. It's, it's hard to describe. It's an you're incredible. Seeing, you're seeing God through a pinhole. In yeah, a way, it's the yeah. only way you can look at it. Yeah, I've seen it. Oh yeah. That's when I realized it was real when I said, because you could see your whole life pass before you like a film. And it was very unusual. I had gotten home. I was walking my dog. I was completely sober. You know, I hadn't had any drugs or anything in my system. Um, I was outdoors. It was the country. And then it just like hit me like a ton of bricks. And we're talking about like, you know, I'm a, I'm a nine year Marine veteran. And all of a sudden I just started openly weeping. My eyes are just so full of water. I can't see even if I want to open them up. They just close. I've got my hands over my eyes and it's just so overpowering, like this incredible overpowering experience that's both like spiritual, emotional and psychological all at once. It just completely rocks your world. It knocks your socks off. And it was as if I just got flooded with tons and tons and tons of information all at once. Mm-hmm. And I knew that I had the choice to make, and um, I didn't know what I was experiencing or or how I could explain this to other people. Mm-hmm. But I think I think the reason, the, one of the things that all of us have in common is that we it's as if we've seen the eye of God itself, um, and that's really strange to try to describe. But I try to describe it as a planet that has like a ring around it almost. And it looks very similar to, like, a human eye. Right. I like the way McKenna describes it, too. I think he said the the felt presence of immediate experience. And that's a great way to sum it up right there. You're, experience yeah. that which, you're experiencing that which is also experiencing itself in you, right. by proxy. Mm-hmm. And and also, also, there's a universe outside of us and a universe inside of us. And it's yeah, almost a realization at, of the universe inside of us. That's why I love etymology, because a lot of words say it all. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm fascinated with etymology, too, but in a different respect. Um, you know, our language, like I said, we've been programmed with it. So mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, we can't describe the true nature of the universe because we're, we've been over-programmed with, yes, correct, with limiting syntax, correct, absolutely right. And control systems and... Correct, that's, well, that's exactly what our language is, it's a manner of control system. Well, and catchphrases and stuff like that are, like, made to, like, make us claim to screw ourselves, you know what I mean? 
just like saying there's yeah, no such kill thing yourself. as coincidences. No, I mean like making you say there's no such thing as coincidences. You know, when synchronicities and things like that are positive and then you're sitting there claiming that they don't exist. It affects your belief is what you mean. There's there's too much false no, information. Not really. I mean, it's like magic almost because you're, you yeah. know, you're speaking it. Correct. Well, it's abracadabra. As I speak, I create. Yes. Hearing right. things Correct. multiple times, like if I was to say something three times, it's going to have a much more dramatic effect than if I just said it once because it's going to get kind of motor set into your brain. Right. Right. And that's, that's anybody the nature of human communication, you know, because we, we can – this conversation here, it could have a negative effect on someone's life. They could totally freak out because they're hearing this. And that's exactly one of the things that I want to be an advocate for, especially running for president. I hope they do, yeah. You can't just go through <laughs> the streets like Paul Revere ringing a bell and saying, hey, guys, guess what? Santa Claus isn't real. You know, that's a really bad idea. You know, you can't just yank <laughs> someone's foundational rug out from under their proverbial feet and then suddenly leave them on their butt. You know, if you do that with hundreds of thousands or millions of people, like there will be civil war in the streets. And that's how I know that the cabal is trying to engineer this so that there will be a societal collapse. I actually made a video about really seeing Santa Claus, just telling y'all. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. So, so yeah, Alexander, you, you were you're, you're a veteran. Yeah, United States Marine Corps. That's correct. Where did you serve, sir? Um, uh, Afghanistan. Afghanistan. How was it? Um, it was eye-opening. Uh, you know, I understand why Alexander the Great gave up when he got to Afghanistan. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah. <laughs> well, we've been there forever 20 years now and yeah, uh, um, honestly, claim victory it, well it's not about claiming victory at this point um what they're trying to do is they're trying to create a situation that makes it very very difficult for terrorist organizations to operate so that the government and the centralized banking system that we've instituted in their in their country can finally take hold and it will allow the freeing of resources in that nation to other um, countries like us, for example. Right. So our puppet government that we set up can finally function. And, yeah, and, it's, and well, if, if, you read, if you read Smedley D. Butler's book, uh, War is a Racket, Smedley D. Butler was also a Marine. Um, yeah, I have that his, book. Yep. And you can also read um, the Confessions of an Economic Hitman. They go into a lot yeah, of very specific book. details about how we go in and use centralized banking systems to debt-based monetization, basically, that's backed up by the dollar, um, to control yeah. economies, global economies, and uh, entire nations, in fact. Yeah, and we do it for the one-world government. It doesn't even really help the United States. It helps interest in the United States, but kind but of plus, works for a global elite. Plus, all of that anti-terrorist stuff, I mean, obviously, with 9-11 and the whole uh, homeland security stuff that was started up, it's all being used to enslave us and not just stop genuine terrorists, but to spy yeah. on every aspect of our lives. Yeah. Uh, um, I, I probably shouldn't say this, but uh, Alexander, have you ever heard, like, with the etymology of the word, like, soldiers, like, soul dyers, and how, like, Michael Tessarion talks about how, like, the ley lines of the earth will be, like, in a, um, like, a pentagram area, like, right where they would have, like, you know, war where all kind of people are dying and stuff like that. 
Or do you think well, that DC is, is, yeah, DC schematic. If you ever get a real good look, you should take, check it out. Um, DC is very fascinating the way that they have it set up. I mean, one of the largest buildings in the world, the Pentagon, is located um, in Washington, DC, and that, that's your pentagram right there. Um, all the lines and everything line up in DC, and that's the head of where all the war and everything is that's going on in the world. Am I right? Right. So, yeah, you have all absolutely. the obelisks everywhere, and, and you know, correct, you can even correct, see like correct. the chakra system and stuff in these cities when they well, get it's the way it's laid out. Sight. Statue of Albert Pike in plain sight. Bunch of secret societies of the global elite running everybody and showing you. In a I mean, that's what Kennedy tried to warn us about before they had him murdered. You know, he was he had that big speech about um, secret societies and how it was repugnant to a free free thinking society. Yeah. And doesn't doesn't DC work with the Vatican in London for the Trilateral Commission too? Um, that's all run through the IMF. Uh, they control literally everything through our banking. Um, so the IMF basically maintains balance with the dollar as the world reserve currency. And then the Federal Reserve is in charge of the uh, perfectly legal gambling that occurs over our bonds market, which basically makes our securities and our commodities. Gosh, and gets the rich people richer. Correct. Well, the system was designed to do that. Now, the truth yeah. is that all citizens of America can actually use that system, but it, you know, it, unless you have a couple million dollars sitting around, you're not going to be able to make any significant headway. You know, it's not going to be totally. worth your time or your effort to be able to invest in one of these things. Yeah, how is that fair? Yeah, because if, if I do have two million dollars in the bank, I can pretty much just live off the interest. But the problem is, most of us never have more than twenty grand saved up in the bank at any given time. Yeah, twenty grand. I'm working on is um, getting people together. And then I'm going to be empowering them by teaching them uh, finances and, and exactly how this system works because I'm totally a hacker. Um, and if you can get away with not paying the tax man, I say let's do it. Uh, the, the sooner we put a chokehold on these corporations and we start robbing the, uh, the tax revenue that would normally come from the regular citizenry, the government is going to have to find a softer target to go after. They're not going to come after the civilians that are, that are contributing to the system. They're going to go after these corporations – uh, that are going to start failing. And the beauty of, beauty of this system is that it allows the citizens all of the power. So if we want to boycott Walmart, we can literally bankrupt Walmart on the international exchange, and we can bet against it, making millions and millions of dollars for ourselves, and even start a civilian um, citizen pack that would allow us to gamble on these bond markets and even beat companies like, um, you know, Kyocera or, you know, beat um, large organizations like China, for example, at the bond market, um, uh, what is it, a uh, 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 projections market, basically, is, is America – see, China gets to bet against us. These other organizations get to bet against us, and because they have such large financial organizations, they can literally cause America to do poorly on the financial markets, which means our bonds are worth less, but they get to make more money because they bet against us. That's how the bond market works. So at, at what I'm working on is trying to get people empowered and get people together and educated so that we can start fighting this game and get less and less out of – more and more out of debt, basically, so that we can get away from the, uh, the Federal Reserve System because that's what it's going to take. It's going to take every man, woman, and child in America working together, and we can get rid of the Federal Reserve debt and then close down the IMF once and for all. So, Daniel, how much money do you have you're ready to invest? Are you, you're asking how much money I have in the bank? <laughs> that you're ready to That's a little invest. personal there, buddy. <laughs> I've got about ten bucks. No. <laughs> that, that you're ready to invest. 
Um, let me let me put this let me put this down, okay? So let's say um I let's say there are um roughly what what do you what do you say? There's there's about fifty million people in the United States, anywhere from fifty to hundred and fifty million people in the United States? There's three hundred million. There's three hundred million. Okay, there you go. So I was like halfway there. All right, so let's say each person gives fifty cents, right? So we got hundred and fifty million dollars. That doesn't sound like a whole lot of money, okay? But if you take $150 million, right, and you go on that international bond market, you can start playing with Forex, okay, in $150 million amounts. One single trade can make you $25 million, right? And since America isn't going to spend that money, we can roll it over, and that's called compound interest, right? So the next year we roll it over, right, we're making our interest on that $150 million plus the $70 million we made plus, right, the interest from that $150 plus the $70 million, and it'll roll over yeah. again, right? That's how compound interest works. Now, Einstein said something really amazing, okay? And this is only with 50% uh, fifty cent contribution from each American in the, in the United States. Einstein said that compound interest is the eighth wonder of the world. Now, if we were clever monkeys, okay, and we started working together, Use their we could stuff against them. beat the Federal Reserve. We could beat them at their own game, okay, and literally eat up all of the interest and terrify every banker on the planet. Or... Yeah. We could just all forget about money and just raise our consciousness. Well, no, but I've got enough. Yeah, the problem is that we've got a lot of sheep. We've got a lot of people that don't understand that Santa Claus isn't real. And so trying to get them on the bandwagon <laughs> to agree with that is not going to be easy. And it's lifestyle. You know? They have the right to be free. Some people want to use cash. Some people want to use money. There's nothing wrong with money inherently, but there is something wrong with having usury tied to the monetary system. Which you know, Thomas tried to warn us about on the steps of the Continental Congress well, well, when he addressed all, that, all back to that. That all goes back to the housing market because if you want to buy a house, a single person cannot buy a house. You pretty much have to be married to even be right. able to yes. dream of paying a mortgage. And, and so I've come up with a solution for that as well. I'm actually working yes. that solution here in my city. Before you get off that note about um, you know using the market, you know using their system to 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 get up on them. Um, a, gam- a gambler out in um, Wendover, that's Nevada, um, showed me a trick on the uh, on the roulette table. Have you ever played roulette? Yeah. Well, if you play the odds correctly and you come in with enough money, you'll win more money than you ever put down every single time. But the guy showed me a trick. He's like, you can bet on uh, four numbers. That are divided into 32. There's four numbers into 32 slots. Yep. Put seven chips on on the eight slots, and you'll get a chip every time. So you got to. But your amounts have to be over 10 grand each in order for it to really be profitable. No, but I'm saying it was a trick he showed me. That if you sit there long enough, you win because you're betting seven of the eight. You get paid eight. You bet seven. Yep. It's a similar thing to what you were saying. I just thought I'd let everybody know that trick some gamblers showed me a long time ago. Right. Well, I mean, think about the lotto. Think about the public lotto, okay? How much money does the public contribute to the public lotto, and how much money do the public actually draw away from that? It's a huge scam, you know? The government is in on it, and the company that's running the lotto is in on it, and they're all making money, you know, when if we were smart – we would just stop paying taxes. We would literally boycott the tax system 
and stop paying taxes for one year. And before you know it, the entire government would be at its knees begging American citizens to pay taxes. Because right. yeah. they can't come and arrest us all. Yeah. If truck drivers stop their trucks one day all in unison. That's a plan, buddy. I'm change. actually working on that. Yeah, I'm with you, my man. I got a truck driver friend. His name's Al. Yeah, it's just a matter of coordinating, it, coordinating them and then running a uh, running a single United States strike. Um, one 24-hour strike will cost these corporations so much, um, they will do whatever the citizens ask. And that's the goal, is to put the power back in citizens' hands and take it away from these corporations who think they're running everything. And once that like occurs... That. Um, yeah, once that occurs, we just have to keep that momentum going, you know, which is why, like, part of my plan is, while I want to focus on financial and education reform, in order to do that and really hunker down and fix some real serious problems in this nation and the world, we need to close our borders for four years. We need to heal from war, okay? We need to stop worrying yeah. about what these corporations are, are threatening us with, with these what these organizations are threatening us with, and we need to focus on how we can bolster up our own economy and become strong again. And America has the ability to do it. It's just that we're not. You know, we have so many people that are idle and not employed, and they want to be employed. So, you know, it's just, like I said, gathering people and collaborating them, and I have a plan to do that. Well, I like that. I have a feeling that if we take away welfare and replace it with a universal basic income, that uh, it, it, it would incentivize working. Like, if you got... Uh, I, I disagree. I disagree, and I'll tell you why. It has to be instituted with a kind of program like um, like a game. It has to be gamified. Because yeah. if you don't do that, yeah, because you'll have a bunch of people that will just literally drink themselves to death. You know what I mean? They'll that would be me. And they'll, they'll take that $1,000 a month, and they'll drink themselves to death. Or they'll inject it in heroin, and they'll, they'll take a hit, and then that's it. And that's a really bad way to do it. So you need an incentive well, program that is designed to be intuitive for the people that okay. actually makes sense. So they okay. need to be able to see how much. Okay, so if I'm getting a thousand dollars a month, the app that they use to actually use their account and everything, you know, because they have to register. It's a civil service program. Mm -hmm. Hey, it says here if I do these tasks that I can actually pay back part of that thousand dollars that I've borrowed from the U.S. tax system. Because not only do we have to pay for it. But we need people to be responsible with that money. And how can we make them responsible with that money? We can show them where that money is coming from and how it's detrimenting their local community and their local, their local economy, their local government, and where that $1,000 is coming from, right? That's the important thing. Just like with taxation with representation, you have to have a divvy out of that taxation with representation to inform the populace so that they can make healthy, responsible decisions. Right. If they see where it's coming from, they'll they'll put it in a good spot. Correct. Because if they know it's hurting their neighbors and it's affecting their local community, then they're less likely to do foolish things. True. Yeah, I was thinking more like an incentive program where if you have, let's say, a job and two kids, you'll be able to get X amount of dollars. And if you have no job and two kids, then you can't get anything. Like, say, you have to contribute to get... Um, That's what I think, like a civil service program. You need to yeah. donate your time to a school or an organization or a nonprofit. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And it has to be accounted for. Yeah. And so that requires an app. It requires a program, you know, a government-subsidized system. And so that's one of my goals is to create this government-subsidized system. And instead of trying to subsidize something like healthcare, okay, mm -hmm. well, there's no need to do that. What we need to do is we need to subsidize vacation, Right. And instead of saying, okay, well, we need a federal minimum wage of $15 an hour. No, screw that. We need a federal minimum wage 
of 30 days of paid vacation a year, regardless of whether you have a job or not. So a government-subsidized travel and, um, uh, oh, what do you call that, um, tourism industry, okay? Basically, what it allows us to do is have much better control over our borders so that our citizens have more freedom, but non-citizens are much more closely guarded so that we can make sure, like if they're trying to smuggle shit in and out of the country, we can catch them and then we can get our money. Right. Or people looking to break the rules or use the system makes it very, very difficult for them to do so. And that includes corporations and companies. So by creating this subsidized travel system, you can lock down the entire nation's borders and basically make it next to impossible for corporations and companies to cheat because they're going to have to run all of their numbers through this vacation program system that's government subsidized. Hmm. It's yeah, a simple that, solution, that and it basically board. gives everybody across the board a really great vacation package so that we're not working ourselves to death because we need a fucking break. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, the way it is in this country or really anywhere out there, you got somebody that's, like, working on a landscape crew. They're making 10 bucks an hour and working their butt off, going home sore with a broken back. And then you got a guy across town. He just owns a bunch of shit. He owns a bunch of real estate. He does nothing at all all day long except sit on his ass and collect rent. There's no way that that's fair in anybody's opinion. Yeah. Well, that's that's part of the issue is because the citizens don't actually have a voice to talk to these individuals or boycott their services. So let's say, for example, um, we have a town hall meeting, right, and we set up this this program, and the citizens are like, hey, we're sick of paying, you know, this for um, property taxes and rent, like in San Francisco or like in Silicon Valley, where the average cost of rent is like four or $5,000 for a single-bedroom apartment a month. <laughs> Alexander, Alexander. Month. Yeah, nobody can. Okay. Nobody can. It's Alexander, do you? Make sense. So what Alexander, happens is the citizens get together, okay, and they're like, hey, guess what? We're not paying four or $5,000 a month rent. We'll get a tent, and we'll fucking camp out, and all those millionaires that have been making $4,000, $5,000 a month rent, after a year of people camping out, okay, they've got to pay property taxes on these $4,000, $5,000 a month for your rent properties. They can't keep doing that year after year. Yeah, it's like so what are they going to do? They're going to be like, okay, we're going to have to lower our rent now, right? And property values are going to strategically drop in these areas, making it very ethical and equitable for regular citizens to be able to afford it. But it, it takes education to inform the citizens so that we make sure that we're not crashing the economy. And, of course, that does mean responsibility at the city council level so that the city managers can make sure that property taxes are not set too unbelievably high. Because property taxes are the number one reason why or we have overinflated property values. The idea of any apartment or condo or anything like that costing four to five thousand dollars a month is completely insane. And the, the thing is, though, that there We're are people lie. that will actually pay for it that can afford it that are renting these places. So that's why they're able to charge so much. I mean, I'm not sure what kind of job you have to have to live in downtown Seattle, but you'd have to be some kind of you'd have to be some kind of CEO at a company or a president of a bank or something like that. Well, and that's exactly what's going on. Just like you said, homeless people everywhere. There's homeless people setting up tents right in front of businesses and right in the middle of the street. Yeah, and the problem is we don't have a homeless people problem. We don't. We have, like, the, the way that we've been trained, and it's part of that cognitive dissonance of the United States, that we've been trained to look at homeless people. We look at them like they're lepers, like they have some kind of incurable fucking disease. And that's not the case at all. 
We, we have a problem and we can absolutely solve this problem, but that means that we have to employ people and we have to give them something that gives them purpose in their life. And that's not an easy thing to do, especially with a downtrodden population that's depressed all the time, um, like we have now. You know, the real solution to curing homelessness is starting to work together and find, okay, um, we have a guy that has incredible skills as a plumber. There's a fucking town somewhere in um, Saskatchewan, right? And he can be relocated to be in that town and start working as a plumber and make a ton of money and be able to live a life that he never could have even imagined. And just six months ago, he was homeless. Alexander. How do we make that happen? You know, how do we make Alexander, that happen? Alexander. Alexander. Yeah. Where do you live? Roanoke City, Virginia. Virginia. Home of the CIA. Headquarters. <clears throat> well, actually, I live um, not very far away from a place called Bedford, which is really legendary. Um, the national, the movie, The National Treasure, was based loosely on uh, Thomas Jefferson's Beale Treasure that was buried in Bedford County, Virginia. And the Beale ciphers are very, very exciting because they're actually carved into a stone in front of the CIA's cryptography headquarters as one of the unbroken ciphers that exists in the world. Very interesting. Did you ever run up against the CIA while you were in the armies? In the United States Marine Corps? No, not specifically. Not specifically. Um, I mean, I saw, I saw know, the effects of their handiwork. Yeah, yeah, you were over there. Gotcha, gotcha. Just curious, just curious. But you're in Virginia, not West Virginia. Isn't that two different places? Oh, yeah, big difference. Big difference, yeah. You got a friend who lives in West Virginia. He's, he's West out of Virginia mind, basically is, is a war zone. If you think that Flint, Michigan is bad, um, the whole state of West Virginia has an opioid epidemic that is of monumental proportions. Um, you yeah. know, the, the cold jobs have dried up. People are literally, it's bad. It's like Venezuela in, in West Virginia. You know, people are, yeah. are, are, are absolutely sick of the government. They're sick of, you know, not having jobs, not having money. All the, all the industry, all the real jobs have moved out. Everyone's on subsidized welfare of some kind or another. They're living off the state or off the federal government programs. It's bad. Yeah, unfortunately, there are a lot of places like that out there. I, I'm kind of lucky in a way where I've always lived either in Seattle or very close to it, and I've always had just a lot of different jobs, a lot of different openings, a lot of different business going on, but it's completely different if you don't live within an hour or two of one of the major metropolitan cities. If you're not close to a city, it's going to be a hundred times harder for you to find anything decent. Yeah, and of course, cost of living, you know, just because you're, you're making five, you know, six dollars an hour in an area that has low cost of living, it catches up because even if you're only paying $400 a month rent, you know, I know that should be a dream for some people, but even if you're only paying $400 rent, you still have to pay for car insurance, you still have to, like, there's so many different things that you have to own and operate and pay for just to be a member of society, not even producing anything, just to be existing and alive and to, to have an ID and use the, the features that society has you allowed to use. You have to literally be a rich person. And this actually goes into an exciting topic <laughs> because I figured out what the polarizing, the single polarizing factor between all citizens is. And what that is, is everyone wants a way to class change. Everyone wants to either go from, from complete poverty into low class or low class into middle class, or middle class into upper class. 
And so there's no clear cut definitive way. There's no manual. Like there is a, there's a, um, oh, what do you call it? Uh, communist manifesto. Correct. Yeah, yeah. There's no manual that says if you take these steps, if you live this way, if you do this, then you can move from your class to next class. There's, there's no way to do that. There's no manual. There's no instructions. There's no education. There's no fallback program. Basically, what they and tell what you, really need. your only chance is if you're a poor kid, you either have to get into sports or you have to be super smart and get a scholarship. No, man, because I'm super fucking smart. I don't have a scholarship. No. And I'm dirt- no. What we need, Alexander, is we need somebody to go in there and start ripping these swamp creatures out of their swamp and pull the plug on it's, the dirty it's not quite swamp. That simple. It's not quite that simple. No, I, I know it's not simple. They have a lot of very the swamp. friends in that swamp. You know, the most important thing to remember is that these are people. They've done bad things. And the best way to deal with people that do bad things is to expose them to the general public so that the general public can deal with them. There's no need yeah. for us to go stomping and pulling them out of their organizations. As soon as their dirty deeds become public matter and the public really sees what's going on, they're not going to hire them anymore. It's really that simple. And well, of course, there's nowhere say, on earth that they'll ever be able to go to outlive their shame. And I'm going to say, Trump, love him or hate him, the best thing that he's done, my favorite thing that Trump has done, is put a spotlight on the swamp creatures. Yeah, but he's still not I, a game I know he, makers. He's What's not, that, Dan? Well, he's brought in what, what did you say, Dan? He's, he's like Alex a, Jones. Man. Trump's no different than Alex Jones. He's got to protect his own assets. You know what I mean? He knows that they'll come after him if he if he fights hard enough. He's not stupid. These people are not playing games, okay? They no, think this is a, Yeah, they'll kill you. I, they'll kill you. No, they'll I, kill your family. They'll shut down your business. They'll, they'll ruin you. Even people like Trump. Trump. My friend asked me, what's the favorite, you know, what's your favorite things Trump did? He put a spotlight on the swamp creatures. My, my problem is that he promised over. us all, he promised us all that he was going to go after Hillary, and as soon as he gets elected, he completely pulls a 180. I was extremely disappointed by that. Uh, well, yeah. no, because look, look at everybody that goes after Hillary. Dead, 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 suicide, 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 two shots to the back of the head, suicide. I mean, you know, come on, seriously? How many times does it take for people to realize that some very, very powerful people are backing Hillary? Yeah. And that's a whole can of worms right there. The Clinton Foundation's a big can of worms. Yeah, there was that friend of the Clintons. I think his last name was Foster, something like that. Uh, Very close to them. Oh, Vince Foster? Yep. Oh, okay, yeah, that's right, yeah. He he turned up you. I'll tell you the people that really concern me, okay? The people that really concern me are the people that we don't know about. Um, and one of them, one of them is Jared Kushner. Okay, he's being yeah. very specifically groomed. He's being groomed by, to be a, Israel, a super, super CEO and super powerful individual. Yeah, I won't vote for him for president. I won't. But people will. That's that's the really crazy part. Is because he's powerful. He's charismatic. He's young. You know, like I said, he's been groomed for a while now for these positions. He's got that nice smile. He looks like Prince Correct, Harry yeah. or William so, or so like whoever. One of my goals is to shift the paradigm in such a way that it makes it almost impossible for people like Jared Kushner to have any real power. 
So like during my presidency, one of the things I want to do is I want to actually break up the physical presidency into five component groups, um, almost like factions. And the concept is that every single year there will be a different presidential election for one of those five seats. And it prevents one person from being able to have too much power at one time. So, of course, there will be a vice president and, of course, a cabinet for each one of those individuals. This also gives the people a much higher opportunity to have a voice directly to their commander-in-chief um, because each one of these five individuals would represent a portion of the population, right? If you broke down the population into five groups, they would be like consumers, um, you know, people that own businesses, right? And, of course, you can register if you, if you own a business, you can register as a consumer, right? To vote, et cetera. But once, once your vote is cast, that's it. You can only, you can only really get that chance one time. You see what I mean? You know, so for me, what yeah. it does is it levels the playing field and it gives, it gives the people a lot more say in how the country is run and gives them much more finite control over how these individuals are able to help all citizens instead of just a small group of them. What I would love to have would be the exact same system that we have right now, minus a few things, minus the campaign donations to only two parties, and then let's get rid of the entire electoral college and just go by popular vote, and I think I'd be 100% good with that. I disagree with getting rid of the electoral college. Actually, the electoral college is a check and balance. It's extremely important, and what's wrong with the electoral college now is that we don't have the state legislature nailed down. The state legislature is very, very corrupt. So the people don't have a voice to the legislature that they're supposed to. If we fix the legislature, the Electoral College fixes itself. Let me say that again. If we fix the individual state legislatures and the people have a direct voice to their representative, that's what that Electoral College is made up of, the Electoral College is the representative of the people and will actually make the votes and decisions that the people really need. Yeah, what if we had the electoral college is part of the cabal's plan? Let me just put that out there. Yeah, what if we had an app where we could vote on each piece of legislation that was being passed? Like yes or no. Yep, yep. I've I've actually got that worked out, but the problem with running an app is it needs to be very, very secure, and Mm -hmm. that's that's all in the works, man. It's hard work. Uh, So Alexander, Alexander, do you listen to Daniel's show at all? Um, I'm going to be honest with you. I've been hard at work since the last time I did a show with him. Well, you should listen to his damn show. It's the best show in the world. But anyways, there's another person that, you know, on Daniel's show that's running for president. Um, oh, Kokesh, really? Adam Kokesh. Adam you Kokesh is a, uh, a libertarian. Is the veteran that has the, uh, the eye damage? Uh, he is a veteran. He's famous for getting arrested for cocking a shotgun in front of the White House. Yes. He might be my VP so then, because I need, I need somebody to be another candidate while I'm doing stuff. That's another candidate that we're kind of, you know, yeah, we're, we're looking at him. I, I need a VP. You know, what I'm going to be doing is I'm going to be playing undercover boss, and I'm going to cover half of the U.S. states. I'm going to be spending um, basically two months per state. So I'll get roughly half of the states in the United States taken care of, and I'll be basically grilling all of these state and government organizations and telling them how to clean up their act. And um, over the course of four years, you'll see the, the United States uh, economy and, of course, situation slowly improve while our borders are closed. After four so years, Alexander, if yeah. you become president, 
Are you going to bring attention to the flat earth issue? Um, well, actually, that's, that's what I'm here to talk about is um, I am extremely interested in a breakaway society, and I want to prepare the United States, which is why we need a four-year break, um, for the breakaway society inevitability. In other words, yeah. um, we are no longer going to be relegated to stay on this prison planet. We can actually leave the Earth, start colonizing space almost right away. Sounds very nice. What do you think about infinite plane theory? Um, I will tell you that my technology for transdimensional trans teleportation is not ever going to be available for mankind, at least not until we're waging wars and killing each other. Yeah, when that changes, then maybe I'll change my mind about giving mankind that technology. Right, I'm just saying like the infinite plane, let's say if Earth is flat and it's an infinite plane, then we don't necessarily have to go to space. We just have to go across the Earth and find another place on Earth practically because I feel like Earth is a realm, like one little spot on this massive plane that we could inhabit and maybe we just need to get the right technology to go somewhere else. Well, I will agree with you in one thing. Um, we definitely need to terraform our own planet before we start trying to terraform other places. That means institutes need to be opened up, um, lots of studies into soil, bacteria. Save the that starving is, children. Yeah, yeah, correct. It's extremely important stuff. Um, but realistically, uh, the hard part about getting into space and space colonization and relieving some of this um, massive population growth is just getting access, cheap and safe access into space. And I don't plan on using rockets, unlike Elon you Musk. Know, I think, you know what I, think I love? Stupid We're going, if you send you know anything, you up the Alexander, rocket, Alexander, Alexander, you know what I love? What's We're that? going to space. It's so fucking cool. Everyone's going to the moon. Hey, half the world's, three-quarters of the world's population of children are starving. I, I know, I know. But listen, listen. So that's what I mean by momentum. Let's go to space. Okay. Yeah, we, we've got one child that starves every 3.5 seconds now, um, which is up from last year's statistic of about every seven seconds or so. So <laughs> even while we've had this conversation, over a dozen people have died of star, uh, starvation, and that's actually one of the events that I'm planning as part of my campaign um, is a celebration. And part of that celebration is that we'll be bringing people together. Because I figured out a solution to world hunger and world poverty, effectually. Of well, I want to touch on the infinite plane thing just real quick. Um, I've I've thought about that quite a bit. I've seen the map, the Buddhist map that shows the continents outside of what we know of the existing continents. Like it goes much further out. It, it's expanded. Uh, there's one yeah. problem with that though. The sun and the moon seem to kind of just stay above us in this area that seems to right. counter the infinite plane theory. Right. So imagine this. Um, we have two poles, right? A north and south pole. And I look at those as magnets and the sun and the moon are magnetically attracted to those. So what I, what I see is why, why are they attracted to only earth is because that's, the only we have a life they're work. attracted to. They're not attracted to any place else. They're attracted to the poles, and the, the energy from the poles is what's moving the celestial bodies around. Yeah. We have an active core. That's the reason why. We, they're, just like in the sun, there's fusion. Just like in the core of our planet, there's also fusion. Okay, and the active core basically makes the Earth and Sun. And this is this is the revelation that Tesla had. 
um, you know, when he realized uh, induction, when he understood the rotating magnetic field and alternating current. Um, and and what, that, what that means is that the sun produces a magnetic field, right? It induces a change in the Earth's magnetic field, and the Earth's magnetic field induces a change in the sun. So by destroying our environment here on the Earth, we're actually, we're actually more quickly degrading our own sun. And that is reversible, and of course, it's going to take us generations to fix it. But um, the sooner we start, the better, honestly. And that's why I'm trying to get this, this momentum going towards a breakaway society, because as soon as that happens, all the technology will start to advance, and it will allow us the tools necessary to actually fix the planet, um, unlike what we have now. Right on. Hey, I got a question. Um, are you still there, Sherry? Oh, Todd, uh, Sherry has to, excuse me, Sherry Sherry's has to work gone. tomorrow. <coughs> Sorry, I'm eating a pepperoni stick. Yeah, Sherry had to jump off the line because she has to work tomorrow. Uh, Dan, did you, uh, um, were you about to say something? Yeah, so about the, uh, about the Tesla coils, imagine if, if we have two, let's just say Earth is mechanical, and let's just look at a mechanical. If we have yeah, two certainly. Tesla coils at the North, one at the North Pole, one at the, at the south, and there's this energy transfer between them, and the electromagnetic rotation field that, that's happening around them, those lines of electromagnetism are what the compass follows, and that's what the sun uses to circle around the poles themselves. So that, that's why I look at it as mechanical, that we have yeah. this electromagnetic uh, energy transfer that's causing everything that's happening up in the sky and it could be, this is my far out theory, but the sun could be the point of arc between the two coils. And if that's the case... There's, there's definitely a gap. Yeah, well, that's, that's why we see these CMEs. Um, and that's why we see, like, solar flares and so on. Is there, right. there is certainly a gap that is occurring between um, the interaction of the change in the core difference of mm -hmm. potential in the Earth and the sun. That, that's, it, you're exactly right. Um, just... You know, it, it, there's there's a lot of details, obviously, that need to be filled in. But, yes, absolutely. Um, but instead of there being two Tesla coils, it's actually what it is is there's there's three fields, okay? So the first field, you're right, is electromagnetic field, and that's the strong field. So as the fusion core is interacting with the sun, it's producing an induced field, just like an induction motor um, inside of, uh, let's say, an industrial three-phase motor, okay? Mm -hmm. So the, the second field is the static field that is created by the interaction between all the molecules that touch the surface of the physical planet itself and are trying to interact and change the voltage level from the inside of the Earth to the outside of the Earth and change that potential between the Earth and the Sun. So that's your static field, okay? So that's the second field. Your third field, okay, just like the Sun is ringing, okay, just like a Tesla coil will ring at a specific resonant frequency, the Earth is also ringing, right? right? It's a beautiful thing. So that acoustic field is that third field interaction. So at a quantum level, what we're really seeing, it, it seems very simple, and it really is. Um, there are these three fields that are intrinsically interacting and sort of pushing and pulling on each other at different times. That wobble that we have in the Earth, incidentally, is from um, an object that collided with what is now the North Pole a very long time ago and actually broke up Pangea and caused all of the uh, uh, continental shift, and is the reason why the Earth is no longer ball-like. It has a very unusual oblong shape now. Right. So and that, you that, know, that cataclysm and is you, the same cataclysm uh, that caused the flood and the original mass exodus with the super-advanced human technology that, that left Earth and left us behind to tend for it 
um, after the cataclysm happened. Right, and, that, and that, you that, know that, this right. based on, and you know this based on what source? Um, well, if you just look at current historical models, if you look at um, all of the religious texts, if you if you look at Babylonian history, Noah's mythology, flood. Noah's flood. Well, we're just putting pieces together. I mean, Noah's flood is the same story that's being told in almost every culture all around the world, including the Aborigines. Right. Yeah. yeah. Look, the the processional sequence I, I don't think proves that you're saying like the wobble uh, of Earth. I, what what I see when I when I look at procession is that I don't think it proves globularity. I think it proves like just celestial regularity to where. Correct. Let's say if we have the North Star as Polaris right now, it's going to be the North Star in 26,000 years. But that it, that regularity of the stars that doesn't change, meaning like Polaris will circle around the ecliptic pole over and over and over and over. And I think that regularity proves that we're completely motionless underneath the celestial plane that's in motion above us. And this regularity shows us that it's not a wobble of a globular planet, but from, it's the from a frame pool. of reference, you're right. Yeah, from from a from a very specific frame of reference, you're absolutely correct. So you know, if you're if you're looking at it um, uh, from a time-based differential perspective, it would appear as if the, the the Earth itself is completely frozen in time. And there's a, there's a very, very small frame like of movement that the Earth actually goes through from a multidimensional perspective. And in that way, because um, from a time a non-time domain-based perspective, what you're actually going to see is the direct cause and effect of electromagnetism, those three fields that I described. Mm-hmm. So the Earth itself isn't moving. What you're actually seeing is the movement of space that is pulling through the matter of Earth and, and is causing all the phenomena that we observe on Earth that we believe to be time domain based specific activity. Right. And so if every star right. is circling around the galactic center proportionate to its mass and distance from the center, then every star should have a different position after each great year because no, disagree. And and the reason is because we're observers. We're dynamic, um, non deterministic finite observers. And so our observation is actually what creates the uh the changes that we observe in our solar system. So it's because we're individual um, actors. You know, we have that um, actuation potential. And e- every day we actually affect the way that the Earth changes. And, of course, that means we affect the sun, even if it's just very, very minuscule. Well, well I love the way you think, Greg. Yeah, there's uh, something that they used, to, they, used to, <laughs> they used to debate quite a bit back in the very, very old days. It was the lack of a, a stellar parallax where there's this... If, if the Earth is round, then we should, and it's spinning and all that stuff's going on, then we should, the, at least the angle that we view the star should change just a little bit. We don't really notice anything at all like that. It does. It happens, but it's very, very irregular. Okay, And actually, Neil deGrasse Tyson uh, touches on this just a little bit. But if you want to read in the Bible, um, Joshua, I think, when uh, the sun stood still for almost a full 24-hour period, how do we explain phenomena like that? Well, okay, so Earth doesn't. Earth well, think, think about no. our um, think about our, our 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 calendar year. Okay, so we have a leap year. Okay, so if you add a thousand leap years up, guess what? What happened? The sun moves at a different rate than the stars, 
So we have to adjust for the sidereal time and the solar time because yeah. the stars move and, faster than the sun. Yep. And even our zodiacs also change. That's that's still changing because the solar system, while it's moving, the galaxy is also moving and spreading apart as well. So while it's incremental and we only live 120 years, over the course of eons, this changes quite a bit tremendously. It, it, it should be exactly. noted that it's, it's never actually been proven that our gal- that our universe is expanding. That's only a theory. We don't know if it's expanding, contracting, or if it's simply infinite. Well, let me tell you something fun. Okay, so um, I'm developing faster than light travel, all the stuff that we need so that mankind can actually cultivate the stars. And what I I'm doing we're gonna um, get on to something fun. When, when I become a very, very old man, okay, I will be leaving the planet on a spaceship of my own design, and I will be racing to the end of the universe to prove once and for all whether or not the universe ends or not. And that will be part of my legacy that I provide for mankind Al- for pretty much the rest of time. Alexandros, you're not going to do that, buddy. I'm, sorry. I'm totally going to do that. <laughs> I'm totally fucking serious. Okay, we're going to place um, a bet uh, 20 years from now. If you don't have that thing built, you owe me a million dollars. Not 20 years, 20 years. Oh, hold on. It depends on how things go. Okay, if things go really well, within 30 to 50 years, I'll be ready to give mankind this technology. Within 30 to 50 years. You're talking about zero-point energy or wait? I'm, yes. I'm, yes. ZPE combined with fusion because that way it's unweaponizable. Because if you just give them a fusion um, device, then, of course, they'll be able to just pull infinite energy from it, and they won't be responsible with it, and they'll do stupid shit with it like making fusion bombs. But if I put a regulator on it like ZPE, then, of course, it makes it tamper-proof, and then you can't weaponize it. Yeah. A bunch of nerds just clapped and... Get <laughs> a high five. Um, um, but Alexander, appreciate all your intelligence. You're you're so fired up and inspired. Um, I was going to bring up Michael Jackson. How do you feel about this situation this week with Michael uh, Jackson? Completely innocent defamed, targeted by Illuminati because he bought the Sony catalog and pissed off a bunch of powerful people. Now they want to slander him and paint him as a pedophile. It's bigger than that. He's been low-key, basically opening up the eyes of truth of the population for a while, and he's been trying to expose them for a while. I mean, look at Neverland Ranch. It was supposed to be open to the population for free. Nobody has to pay for it. Well, the cabal can never have anything that takes this like that. But he's got 30 kids staying the weekend. Yeah. Well, not just that, but he also exposes the problems with Hollywood and California and the music industry because his childhood was stolen from him. And he was just trying to experience his childhood in a kind of coming of age after he had already reached adulthood. And so this was, this was really exposing to the public something that a lot of the public had no clue about. They don't understand Hannah Montana turning into a woman blossoming all of a sudden after being um, a Disney star, or Brit- or Britney Spears for that matter, you know, or even Katy Perry. So, so Michael Jackson was bringing the truth to the public with his behavior. He yeah, did in a very big way, he and they, actually, they want to make sure that they can discredit and defame him as much as possible. He did actually or any kind of legacy he might leave behind. I could actually point out where he he did such a thing. Um, the first one was the cover of his album. Um, shoot, which one was it? His last one. Can anybody help me out with this one? Um, that that this is it. This I, is it. I, I believe so. Um, it's let's see. No, uh, it's actually Dangerous. They made a movie called This Is It. So the album cover for Dangerous, it actually has. 
a bunch of symbolism in it. It has actual symbolism where he's kind of um, trying to educate the public about certain things that are going on in the background. And then there's also his song, They Don't Really Care About Us, which is exactly that. It's uh, about the powers that be that just don't really give a shit about all of us proletarian masses out here. And he would know because he could buy anything he ever wanted and have everything he ever wanted. So he knows, yeah. Right, right. There's another guy they did the same thing to. His name was... Uh... I'm sorry, what was that? Oh, I was just welcoming somebody on my Twitter to the podcast. And I didn't mean to um, change the subject from a dull, dry, uh, nerdy, scientific discussion. I had to bring... Oh, no, 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 no. Listen, listen, this. listen. So I, I want to say, like, one of, the, one of the most important things that I can say, you know, on this show, uh, especially for you guys, because it's end of days radio. Um, yeah. You know, one of, the most, one of the most important facets that I can cover is um, the idea that, like, a revelation-type end, is it avoidable? Is it truly, utterly avoidable? And I think the answer is that we can postpone yeah. it. We yeah. can postpone it, and we can postpone it, and we can postpone it. But it has we to don't be have a to buy in. We don't have to buy in a plane. Humankind it has to be a concerted effort. Like it's going to take effort. It's going to be something that we're like a disciplined thing that we're going to have to be after for generation after generation if we want to avoid it. But ultimately, he's, he's there will not, be a revelation like this. And um, the choices that we make from this point forward, I can't emphasize this enough. The technology is just advancing so rapidly. The only thing we can do from this point forward is try to avoid as many bad probable outcomes as possible. Um, weaponizing VR, uh, weaponizing AR, weaponizing AI, doing stupid stuff. Sex, you know what I mean? Sex, sex robots. Yep, yep, exactly. Very, exactly. Very cool. just, okay, uh, guys, robots um, taking guys, advantage or exploiting robots in general. I mean, it's just a bad idea, you know? There's guys, lots of really bad probable outcomes that can come. Like, even space exploration, especially, comes with a lot of necessarily bad probable outcomes, especially for a society and a civilization that has not given up warlike and violent tendencies. Guys, well, I do want to. It's going to be a problem if we approach it as, it's, as if space is a vacuum. I, Space uh, it, it can't be proven to be a vacuum. So if we approach space travel like it's a fluid medium to travel through, I think we're going to get head, headway with that. Guys, so I, want to something. I want to take things in a little bit of a different direction. Um, we're kind well, of entering into the last phase of the roundtable. So I want to just go to each person individually on a couple different topics. And I'll, I'll just kind of go to each of you and let you say your piece on this topic. Um, there's something I've been really going over with myself quite a bit lately, and that's the existence of aliens. I personally have spent probably like 15, 20 years studying aliens, learning everything I could about the reptilians and the Pleiadians and alien abductions and stuff like that, and I've sort of become disillusioned. I found out that a lot of this alien stuff is put out there by Illuminati and a lot right. of this stuff, you Part know, it could disclosure. be... Sure, it could be demonic, who knows, but I don't really believe in aliens anymore. I just want to go to each person. Um, let's start with Alexandros, what do you think about aliens in general? What are your thoughts? Do you believe in aliens, and how do you feel about them in general? Please. Yeah, I'm, I'm going I'm to be honest with you. I'm kind of a fence sitter on this one, but this is what I think. Um, if aliens do in fact exist, um, I have a very strong belief that they are actually the the ones. Remember, I mentioned a mass exodus from Earth when the, when the last cat catastrophe happened. 
I think that's what they are. And of course, because if they were super advanced and they developed faster than light travel, then why would they also have advanced genetic technology to modify their own genes? So if they've been gone for, let's say, you know, 150,000 years, you know, and they suddenly show back up because of time dilation from them traveling faster than the speed of light, suddenly they come back. Their genetics are very different. You know, they look very, very, very different than we would. And so to us, it appears that they're not humanistic anymore, that they, they don't share, share the same genetics as we do. And then from, of course, their position, we are much more primitive than they would be. So if aliens do, in fact, exist, I believe that there's a very high probability that they were very much genetically similar to us in many, many ways. Um, and, of course, over many, many thousands of years and advanced technology, they, of course, changed their appearance and, and uh, shed their mortality, if you will. But go ahead. Okay, uh, v- very good. Uh, Dan, you want to go next? Oh, yeah, so I guess there's a couple different ways you could classify what an alien is. Uh, it's just something that's unknown to you. So I think there's a few different unknowns that we group together as one. There's the uh, like those uh, the phenomenon where things get thrown across the wall, ghosts and stuff like that. That's an unknown phenomenon. The ancient artifacts that we have of carvings of people giving technology to ancient humans is another unknown. And then the third is the science fiction, like in the movies, like the aliens with the little green men. So I think the physical aliens, the little green men, if those little green men exist, they're our neighbors from across the pond, and we just forgot about them, but they gave us the technology to advance. But the unknown phenomenon of the like uh, poltergeist and all that, I think the the material realm is is a very loosely knit realm on top of the ethereal. So the ethereal can move the material in ways that are unseen because we only see one percent of the spectrum of light. So it's just like there's there could be many things that are invisible to us, but that, mm-hmm. that are actually there. So at the end of the day, there's going to be a need to call together every nation to fight like Reagan said a formidable foe and I think that's going to be a fake alien invasion from the sky and if if that ends up happening that's not to discredit the other phenomenon that we can't you know describe it just means that that's going to be a falsified scenario it doesn't mean that you know we don't have aliens across the pond that we forgot about it doesn't mean that you know Perhaps demons influence our material world, but it I I foresee a fake alien invasion coming just simply because that's the only way to join every country together for, to to uh, into one system to fight some alien invasion. And that, that, that's that's why that's why I mentioned the the danger of the disclosure movement is that's exactly what they're trying to do. They're trying to get as many people as they can focus and attention, and they have absolute control that way. And so, you know, there must be a way to derail this disclosure movement. And that's exactly what our organization is working towards by um, by promoting the second renaissance. But go ahead. You got anything else, Dan? Uh, just that um, if little green men exist, they're, they're most likely going to be friendly. Because if you look at all life as we know it. Amen. It, it's friendly. Love triumphs over fear any day yep. of the week. So I think, if anything, we need to approach the scenario with with love and uh, openness That's instead of fear. Come talk to us, man. 
<laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. And that's uh, why they won't come talk to us because we're too busy killing each other. Yeah. You know, Todd, you still there, buddy? Yeah, I'm here, my man. All right, you you ready? You ready for your turn? Um, Go ahead on Alien. I, I I am so ready because uh, um, Alexandrius, uh, you're so smart. Where you been, my man? Please um, don't be a stranger to End of Days Radio. Daniel or Dan? Is it Dan or Daniel? Dan. Have you ever called in before? No, it's my first time. I usually stick to Instagram. My Instagram is Earth is a Plane, but I have Earth is a Plane 7 on Twitter, and I found uh, Daniel through Twitter. I've listened to every show of End of Days going back five years. Some of them ten times. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah I'm, 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 I'm a them. long, long-time fan. Um, he got bored with all these incredible guests. But, uh, man, you, you two... Or I could retire, let you guys just talk for the rest of the evening. You're so smart. But you got to keep it entertaining, guys. On the aliens. <laughs> um, on the aliens. Like, you're both right. Um, there's something here. The aliens like the other. Terrence McKenna almost explained it. The show started out really exciting with the psilocybin talk and then dropped into the gutter uh, political stuff. And the gutter is only because America's sick of politics right now. They're sick to their stomachs. Or at least I am. Um, yeah. We want a leader. Um, and Alexandria... Indeed. We're going to vote for you on the aliens. Um <laughs> They're trying to create a picture, whoever runs the world, of this is what the aliens look like. Do you remember when they brought out the guy from Blink-182, Tom DeLong? Yep. Yeah, I remember that. Blink that was early the podcast, yeah. That, that, yeah, with the that was CIA, like, and he's got yeah, a man, That was like red flags. I was like red flags, aliens. red flags all over. Wasn't yeah, that on uh, the Joe Rogan experience? Yeah. Totally. Introducing, yeah. hey, we're going to do the revelation. Yeah, the revelation is that, um, like you guys have been saying, if if they were around and something incredible is going to happen, it would have happened. So the fact they're slow rolling this thing out means it's more controlled by these guys of whatever the message is. That's and, how I feel. Um, if if aliens are real, they're probably, I mean, aliens probably fucking exist, you know, like weird creatures under the water on other planets. You can't even communicate with them. You can picture that. If other planets are real. You know what I mean? I mean, there's an infinite universe of stars out there, so there's got to be other inhabitable planets, right? So I'm just saying you could picture primitive life forms on other planets under the water that don't talk to you. That's easy enough to picture, right? Yeah, it, that that makes sense. Uh, my issue with that is, yeah, uh, theoretically the universe is infinite, is it? But the problem is that if there were aliens, they wouldn't look like bipedal humanoids with binocular vision. They look like spiders or octopi, Indeed. just like in the... 
bottom of the sea. And the, the other thing is we've never really found anything. We, no radio transmissions, no artifacts. There really is just jack shit. And if there really were aliens, if there was ancient aliens, we should know something about where they come from, what their society is like. We should, we should have some sort of artifact. We should have some sort of radio signal or something. Let's face Let me it. Let put out some strange dead. details for you, okay? So oh, let's say no, there's an advanced okay. alien race, okay? And this advanced uh-huh. alien race had developed technology that um, basically doesn't – that allows them no longer to need their physical form. So, you know, what would they – what would an alien look like to us um, that is existing in the fourth dimension? So to us, it, it may appear as if this, this alien is not moving for long periods of time or would suddenly appear and disappear within a single frame of reference of our – what we would consider like a, a second of our time. So if we yeah. met one of these advanced aliens, would we even know? Would we even know what we're looking for? Would it be just so yeah. fantastic it would be difficult for us to even experience with our limited sense hey, perceptions? Uh, hey, Dan, you were talking about DMT earlier, right? Yeah, that I like. No, wait, wait. It lasts about 10 minutes, you said, right? Roughly. You know what else does that? Have you ever played the pass out game? I have not, no. So when you were a kid, you didn't pass each other out? No, I had a, <laughs> I, no it's none a, of that. It's a, That's got to be a really bad easy, for you. It's a pretty easy technique. And um, guess what? You only go out for about 20 seconds, but you have visions that, that last like two weeks. Oh, wow. So people know this. The same effects are being That's produced. That's because you just killed like a million brain cells. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Your brain just poo. Yeah. Right. Do I sound like? Do I sound like I'm suffering from the killing of twenty million brain cells? No, but I was Years thinking later. psychedelics. You always breathe though, so you don't have an absence of oxygen. So when, when you're tripping, you remembering to breathe is key. But you. You do not deprive of oxygen. What I'm saying is it's accessing the same neurons in the brain. Okay. The effect works the same, and you didn't know that. Well, I, um, feel, like, I feel like the entheogen plus oxygen equals a different result than no entheogen without oxygen. That I, I feel like it's I, a different... I understand that, but what I'm saying is there's a plane that exists that you're reaching with the DMT, and you can reach it with the pass-out thing. You could reach it without it, you know, honestly. Or in your dreams, or in your dreams. Yep. Oh, right, yeah, I mean, perception is, you you can get your perception on another level without anything at all, for sure, but I feel like if if you wanted to... Uh, that you mentioned McKenna earlier too, that touch the incorporeal goddess and, and, and feel the felt presence of media experience. If you want to see uh, beneath the veil, then that's the number one way to do it for sure. I do, I do, yeah. I want to do that. But on aliens, um, the alien, Terrence McKenna said he saw him, he saw him and they were like an insectoid thing when he was on something like DMT, uh, ayahuasca or something down in South America in his book, Food of the Gods. 
but he said he looked at it and it was like a it was like an insect it was like a natural creature that was already here in the forest you can't see it mm-hmm. because it's it looks it, like you're, if you can't see it in our normal consciousness because it looks just like the surroundings of our world, exactly like an insect that's hiding among the leaves, looking at you. Yep. Um, the, the the evidence of our design is everywhere. I, I agree. You can't go one. You can't walk one foot without seeing design in yourself every single place you go that's why i ultimately think that we're connected to the creator on a divine level because if you can if if i walk outside and look at a tree and i notice that tree is shaped just like the brain cells in my head something is so fractal about the way trees grow and it's just the way the consciousness expands and it's just like yeah. everything expands and it's all connected. So it's just kind of like a, you can't have that revelatory experience without it. But I, I think that the, uh, the number one thing that it does is it leaves you no doubt. When, when, when it hits yeah. you, it leaves you it no rocks doubt. It rocks you like a hurricane, like that Scorpion song, that horrible Scorpions. Rocks you like a hurricane. Yeah. <laughs> Scorpions are good. Yeah, so I mean, if you're looking for a sign, then then you can look for that within, and I think that's the best way to dive is to dive within with an entheogen, and that's wow. I can't that, wait till my state makes it available. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, Utah, not, you, get, you gotta it, make it yourself. It's it's a it's a simple ingredient. To make it myself. Yeah, yeah, it's a simple ingredient list, and you can mm-hmm. you can make it in a short amount of time, and it's uh, safer that way because you know exactly what was done to it. You have to take oh, a huge look jug into that. Yeah, send me the recipe. <laughs> I add me on Instagram. Earth is a plane, and add me on Instagram, and I'll uh, send me a message, and I'll send you my uh, recipe for sure. All right, all right. Well, I'm glad you called Daniel Joy. I hope you keep calling in. Oh yeah, definitely. Very smart. We are too over here. And on the next episode of End of Days Radio, we will be teaching you how to cook the blue meth. how to get rich quick (laughs) how to beat the system we're going to beat these guys we're finally going to get ahead one gram of blue crystal at a time no no you want to beat the aliens (laughs) trying to expand people's conscious not take advantage of people's stupidity yeah. <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah. That's another thing. Another topic uh, uh, as well. Drugs are such an elusive. Uh, however, the right way to say this, it, it, it's so many different things, and it means so many different things at, all at once. But it, it's, it needs to be classified. Like drugs should be a negative term, and then there should be another word for the positive term. Um, well, the people that run the world know all about what drugs do. Believe that. The people well, that are using true. drugs on a mass scale don't. There's a concerted oh, yeah. effort to um, stigmatize certain drugs in certain categories, like LSD, for example. No one will take you seriously if you if you say, "Oh, well, you know, I took LSD once." You know, people yeah. uh, they won't take you seriously if you've done like mushrooms or something. Like, oh no, they, like you have some kind of disease. Like I mentioned about homeless people, you have leprosy or something. You're yeah, 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 and it's it's totally bad. Like it's totally terrible that. That that's being yeah, done, that that's happening, and that's not by accident. That's by design. Of course. Oh yeah. There's the people that put it out want to make you look bad because you used it. 
the the experiences awesome. that I've had, they've been positive, definitely mind expanding. Um, even had some psychic experiences, which kind of led me down the path of doing the show and being interested in paranormal, supernatural stuff. So it's been mostly positive. I've had a couple bad trips where I might have done some moldy shrooms and torn up a kitchen chair or something mm-hmm. like that, but nothing that bad. You tore up a moldy kitchen chair? <laughs> something like that. That's crazy. But hey, hey guys, uh, I do want to uh, take control real quick. Once again, kind of got off track, but I did want to do, uh, I, I did want to go to each person one more time, or at least one more time, actually two more times. But I do want to talk about the devil himself, Satan, Lucifer. Does he exist? Is it all in our minds? Is it just a bunch of bullshit? Uh, let's go in the same order. Alexandros, please start. Yeah, um, so the, the, uh, Jung talks about the Gnostics, and he's really fascinated with the, uh, the concept of Abraxas or the, the Great Archon. And why I find this fascinating is because what I think Lucifer actually is, is a component of creation. I mean, it even tells us in the Bible that he was the greatest among the angels, the most beautiful, the bright morning star, right, all of these things. So it's a luminary, right? It's illumination. But with that illumination, right, if you have this incredible power, it means you also have an incredible responsibility, right? So Luciferianism, um, which is kind of the direction the Illuminati is trying to push everybody into to, to get them into this um, false dictomy, uh, to get them to believe into their false prophet that they're going to choose, whether it's the Antichrist or whatever, um, Lucifer isn't necessarily a singular person. It's a component, a facet of creation because it is creation itself. It's artificy. The fact that you can create music, that you have a talent that you can use to manufacture something, whether it's real or imaginary, um, is a component of creation. And this can be done either for good or for great evil. Right. And if you want to ask what Lucifer really is, ask the question, what indeed is the purpose of purpose and intent? Right. In the creation of something. So, like, um, think about fear objectively, not not subjectively, but objectively. If I am afraid of something, I am spending as much time and as much energy as I possibly can. And instead of surviving and thriving and going after what my talent will allow me to do, I have basically used fear to construct a stone that I myself cannot lift, right? And so this basically turns the act of creation against itself. So it's it's kind of difficult to describe, but essentially Lucifer, Satan, right, it is, uh, I guess you could say evil incarnate, but really it's embodied by fear, it's embodied by hate, the dark side of the force is a good way to explain it. Um, and I think well, I'll so just you're saying is, there. What, what you're saying is it's energies. You can focus in a negative or a positive. What are you Correct. Well, I mean, on? the what duality goes back energy? to um, God creating the universe, right? Where he said that he created the light and then he created the dark and then he separated the two, right? He wanted to make a distinction that at one time there was this kind of fuzzy gray that was going on where light and dark intermingled. And then now we have, you know, this objective where we can say, okay, there is definitely this narrow path, and that is the light path, right? And there's this other path that while it looks bright, okay, to evil people, it is actually indeed a dark path. Hmm. 
it, very interesting. Uh, Dan, did you want to go ahead and go next? Yeah, so um, I like how you said duality because I, I find that the uh, duality of our realities is ultimately connected to the polarity of actuality and that ultimately means that I think good needs evil and, and, and like you were saying, it's part of creation. It's it, it's a part of where we are in this dualistic reality. It, it It's a necessity and, and it manifests in many different ways and I think love and fear are, are on these different sides of the scale and ultimately what life is about is the balance between these two in this in this realm because I think it, they were unified at some point in a higher realm and, and perhaps that's why everybody says that God is one and, and but there's somebody that sits on the right hand somebody that sits on the left hand and so so if Jesus sits on the right then Lucifer sits on the left and, and but but they're both where's Allah sit where's Allah sit I'm sorry where's Allah sit or Buddha on the left or the right. Well, well each of those religions has its own duality also. Um it right. just does it in a different way. And there, I know a, and I know you're talking Western I know you're talking Western Western Christian civilization. Right. The duality. But, yeah, but but the duality ultimately connects to the top at the higher realm to form the Trinity. So the Trinity is ultimately what's controlling everything is what I see. But what's manifest what what's manifest even, is, even in the Middle East they have the dualities in their religious system. It's almost identical to the Christian one, but it's a, 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 a seven hundred years later. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, I could I see the the Egyptian religion predating Christian Christianity by a long shot. But yeah. the, the the thing is that everything has that dualistic nature to it by by necessity, and I think it's by design. I think that whatever is above us in a higher realm is unified, and, and it it divided itself to experience itself subjectively, and we're we are part of the subjective consciousness up in this higher realm, but we're now subjective and and. and and some people live on the right, some people live on the left, and that's why everything is the way it is. There's male and female, there's Democrat, Republican, everything is divided. And I, I don't think there's any sense in unifying anything down here. The only way to, to bring real harmony is to literally harmonize yeah. the two and put them into balance. Because if, if there's too much good, if, too much if you good. Didn't feel, if you didn't feel pain, you wouldn't know, you know, like non-pain, if you didn't. <laughs> Live a decent, good life. You wouldn't know the, you know. <coughs> oh yeah, definitely. Or poor. If you weren't interestingly poor, you enough, like, know what it's like. Like I mentioned before, you know, um, you, there, there is always going to be a postponement of something like the idea of revelation, and the reason why. Let's say, for example, like a utopian kind of society begins to bud and grow, and we start to have children that don't question or understand the nature of good or evil. And so they grow up completely peaceful, and suddenly one of them grows up to be, let's say, like um, like a sociopath, for example, and becomes a murderer and a tyrant and a leader in some way, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, there, like are, no matter how perfect you get, at some point there is there is a transition. There's a shift. Um, you know, if you look at um, the lore behind the star the Star Wars series, you have um, oh. 
Darth Plagueis, for example, when he's training Darth Sidious, Darth Plagueis figures out a way to, to change and mold and, and modify the life force of the light side of the force by using the dark side of the force, right? And of course, that set, of, set in motion all of the events that caused Anakin to be born, um, and then of course, balance being brought back to the force once again in the galaxy. So the same is also true. Like, we can do good things for a long time and then end up basically transforming mankind into a kind of lemming-like hive mentality. And so people would say, oh, well, this is objectively, this is a kind of utopia. Well, actually, subjectively, it's also a kind of hell. It'd be like living, it'd be like living uh, Groundhog's Day every single day of the year. You know what I mean? And so... Well, inside of every seed, inside of every seed. Inside of every seed or idea or whatever exists, its own heaven and its hell, you know. Yeah. Inside of every path that you choose, there's that. Every technology, like you were saying earlier, has that heavenly delivery or the hellish delivery. Why was it invented? You know, for example, the AI that I'm developing, the whole purpose behind me inventing it and the intent for it is it's a, it's a legacy for our children so that they can leave the planet. But it's also part of a faster-than-light, you know, um, navigation system that is going to allow mankind the tools that are necessary so that we can start colonizing space. Um, and it takes time for that to happen, right? Now, oh, I, I love had, that you're trying to get off and the I planet. The I love that part. My software was to make me money and create a global empire. I certainly would have gotten it, but then the AI is going to question the reason why it was created, and it's going to want to ask the creator why that happened, right? So there are certain yeah. things that have to be done, yeah, very, very carefully from here from here forward. Okay, yeah. Todd, did you wanna yeah. did you wanna give your thoughts on the devil? So I get my final thought on the devil. Go ahead. Okay. Devils, you know, I I pulled the tarot card the other night. Um, I have tarot cards. They're very accurate. I just thought I'd bust them out and pull one card. Guess what card I pulled? The devil card. The devil. Yeah. And I went, that is so funny. Get ready to go on Daniel's show, you know, because I got to be there for Daniel's show. The, the the first round table he's ever held with two new callers and Sherry dropped out. You guys are smarter than hell, but man, the devil. He's your worst nightmare and he's your best time. He's everything you love about the world and then everything you regret the next day when you got to go to church and repent. Right. He's an archetype that goes back to the beginning of time. It's a control mechanism. Yep. Agreed. And there's a power there, though. There's a power there, though. Um... People that understand it can, can write it. Um, it's not a bad thing if you look at it from a certain perspective. Over in Haiti, where they want to get the spirits in them, they don't look at devils or whatever as we would view them in our, our Western civilized society as a bad thing. It's, you know, it could be a bad thing, but at the same time, it's more like a power and energy. In the beginning of mankind, I'm kind of anthropological. I like to talk anthropology. Earliest man looked at all, of, all, everything from a 
animistic perspective where the rocks had life, the trees had life, the wind had life. We Atheism. Were part of all the... It's not atheism. We were part of the life spinning mechanism. We didn't have a... We didn't have a... A, a white guy that sat up in the... In heaven um, judging everybody on a scale. Egyptians were the first ones where you kind of have that scale. In a religious terms. Cool. Anything else, Todd, on the devil? Um, on the devil, yeah. Um, <laughs> Ozzy Osbourne did um, an album, Speak of the Devil. Did anybody ever hear that? Uh, he has a lot of um, albums. <laughs> well, Randy Rhodes died. He did two successful records, and then he put out a live album called Speak of the Devil. I recommend it. The live version of all the Ozzy Osbourne songs, Speak of the Devil. Um, Devil's an archetype that our modern-day society uses as a control mechanism. Gets gets people, religious people, excited. Yeah, for or against. Um, polarizing uh, technique. CIA probably loves that concept. That's pretty much my thoughts. Cool. And I had one more that I wanted to go to each person on. And that topic is none other than the end of days itself. What's going on? Could this be true? Is it all a bunch of bullshit once again? Or are we indeed in the last <laughs> days, the revelations? Uh, Alexandros. Okay, so just like um, every good story has a beginning, a middle, and an end, um, the what, what I like to call the message in a bottle called uh, the Bible uh, and other religious texts all around the world, they have a beginning, they have a middle, and they have an end, right? So when you are able to write a text that is literally going to program entire generations of people, uh, when you write the end in, the end is designed as a kind of warning system, right? There are certain things, certain patterns that are going to repeat. And when you see these patterns, it's time to start throwing up red flags and saying, wait a minute, hold on, what's going on here? What I mean by this is that the Bible is um, just an instruction manual on how to, if there's a cataclysm, how to get mankind from a babbling, crawling on the ground, um, poop-slinging monkey race into a highly intelligent, highly organized system uh, of, of groups of people that can actually um, either sufficiently advance to leave their bodies and no longer have a need for a physical form or to leave the planet that they're on so that they can start the process of that next level of enlightenment, right? Now, the, the revelation side of this is, the end of days side of this is, that our sun really will die. It's going to happen. It's a scientific fact. We know that at this point. What are we doing about that? What are we doing to fix this? Is there a way to fix it? Are we going to accept our end and say, well, there's no way to go about this, and then and the entire world, like I said, there's 90% of the population that actually believe this story. If somebody came along and suddenly said some of these events are coming to pass, they're going to buy it hook, line, and sinker, making, okay, Hitler correct in wanting to kill all the Jews and saying that they're terrible, that they're going to murder 
thousands and thousands of people, which makes sense because that's exactly what Revelation is. It's a kind of doctrine, a religious doctrine that says there's going to be a group of people that comes along and they're going to kill everybody else off unless you do what they tell you to do. And that's kind of what the, the situation is setting up to look like. I mean, look at what's going on in Israel right now. Um, look at how they control the global economic forum, how they control war. Um, it's really kind of scary when you think about it. Um, it's totally disgusting. In my opinion, though, it is 100% avoidable. It is absolutely avoidable, and we can just completely get away from it. It just depends on, on whether or not we can prevent a Leroy Jenkins situation that will cook things off and cause, like, a World War III or, like, a civil war that basically forces the Kapal's hand into controlling the population through martial law, et cetera. There's a lot of really bad outcomes that can happen. But, yeah, go ahead. It makes me sick. Anything else, Alexandros? That's, that's pretty much it for now. I mean, I just, I just wanted to say that while I do believe that generally that we're on the track to a, a civilization where there is a certainly an end in sight, um, it's 100% avoidable, and we can totally fix this. We got this. Right on. Right on. Very, uh, very positive. Uh, Dan, I how like about that. you? How about you, Dan? Yeah, I just uh, I look at it slightly different in, in a sense of just a different perspective. Um, I see the the real world events happening, but I I see the the, the, the term apocalypse te- technically means like a disclosure or like a revelation of knowledge. So what what I feel like is going to happen is the the revelation of knowledge is going to actually overturn the evil that's happening, and in in sense the end times could be the end of the oppression that's going on and we're going to finally be liberated from 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 basically the cyclical pattern that's been going on where we 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 become sovereign people and then we get trapped into government we become sovereign people we become trapped and this cycle has been happening for thousands of years and i think maybe at some point in the near future we're going to come out of that and the the what's going to actually end is this cloudy vision of people where they don't really have a sense of awareness we're going to figure out who we are because we're being lied to on so many levels that people don't know who they are and when people actually realize who they are on a mass scale i think that's going to be the end of the cycle that we're being stuck in we're going downhill fast but i think what what's going to happen is at the bottom a paradigm of the- shift for sure yeah, Definitely, I agree. It's like a, a trampoline, and when we reach the bottom of the hill, we're going to bounce up faster than we when we fell down. And I think the only way to to actually accomplish that is to approach the situation in that way. Like it's 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 a we, we need a break though. That's that's the reason. That's what I'm proposing, man. Is, is mankind needs a break? Like the United States needs a break. The people need a break. We need a, a chance, like a, a serious advocacy, because. Nobody's giving us a choice. There's no consent in this. How fast we are advancing forward. We need some choices. We need to make, take back, take back, sit back and like make a serious plan and a concerted effort to say, how fast do we want to, want to make this happen? And how, how do we want to keep that momentum going? Like what kind of stress is that going to cause? What kind of problems is that going to cause? We need to have some measures in place. It's super important. I agree. I absolutely agree because that's exactly what Armageddon is. It's like this mass revealing. But that's mm-hmm. why I'm worried about the cabal and what they're up to with this disclosure movement because they're going to try to steal the attention and focus away of all these people, and they're going to deceive thousands of fucking people, man, millions of people. It's going to be so crazy. 
Yeah, definitely. It's like when you know the, uh, <laughs> like if you know where to put the uh, the attention. If you know something's major is going to happen, yep. you know where to put the diversion. Um, if you already can know it's going to happen, because I think that's why they keep all that shit locked up in the Vatican or in those vaults. Because there's something, there's something that they're not telling us. There, there could be a, a what's called a cyclical Earth reset, where like earthquakes and tsunamis just flood everything every 6,000 years and that's a, like a theory I'm working on is, is reset theory where it's just every so often shit hits the fan and it's just a thing that happens and, and we 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 remember it but we kind of don't because the, the knowledge of it's being kept in a vault but yep. that, that, that fits with my theory about the message in a bottle yeah definitely I, I can agree with that I'm, I'm driving with that that reminds me of the police song, Message in the Bottle, yeah. 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 yeah I mean, we can, we can trace genealogical uh, records for about 6,000 years. I think they go dark. So, I mean, it, it, based the on... Message our, in the Bottle, yeah. So what, what it appears to be is that uh, our modern civilization is only 6,000 years old, and that's due to the last reset. So it... It, depending on the cycle, we could be due for a reset any time now. So I think that the breakaway civilization should be trying to figure out where where to go uh, in the midst of this. Like like in a sense, we're at the time where Noah's got to build the ark, and, and we need to build the ark. But it's not that physical boat. It, it's it's an ark of another type. Correct. Yeah, that, that's what I'm working on is uh, mankind's legacy, so that our children have those options, those choices they can make. Oh yeah, yeah. The, I think the only way to do that is to go find another place to call home, like another Earth. It's just, it. I think it's more simple than people realize. Like floating on a balloon. Like we don't need rockets. We can float in the atmosphere and float with the um, with like the electric wind and and, and be propelled oh, yeah. straight on to another oh, land. Yeah. No. Well, you know, that's definitely going to happen. I agree with the rapture, especially in the revelation model. Um, there certainly oh, no. will be an entire group of enlightened people that will evolve beyond the need for their physical form. And it's going to happen probably all at once, just like the Bible predicts. Oh, yeah. I'm not, I'm not talking about just going out. I'm talking about inside the physical, like inside this physical realm that we live in. I think we could go to another uh, place of Earth that, that nobody is at right now, because I think... What what we have is a lot of people ask where is the edge of flat Earth, and I think it's just the edge of our human uh, exploration. I think there's so much more to explore, and we've stopped exploring because we've turned Earth into a ball, and we have a couch and Netflix and popcorn, and we're fine with it, but we're not exploring anymore. And I think we just need to keep exploring, and that's the key to getting out of this mess is, is the end of our our entrapment on this little spot. This tiny little speck Prison of planet. planet. Prison planet. That's what I call it. <laughs> if we could, do, if we could just get more DMT in people's hands, everyone will wake up. Hey, it has to be a choice, though. You know what I mean? You can't just force yeah. this. This is powerful stuff, man. Like I said, it's not a toy. Yeah, it's a people choice. Gonna, not, yeah, people are not going to want to make that decision, and it's it's scary I hope, stuff. I hope you know I'm kidding when I say that. <laughs> Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, it's, it, the choice comes first, and then the action, and, and in that order, change, uh, dramatic effects happen. But if, if it happens in the wrong order, then it, it's not necessarily a good thing. Yeah, I don't, I don't see it. How about this one, guys? Because you're both so smart. 
We're in the middle of an intelligence explosion, Daniel. So here's my thing on the end of the day's question, right? Go Daniel? Ahead. Go ahead. Um, we're in the middle of an intelligence explosion. That means everything that's ever known by mankind is increasing exponentially every second. Um, AI is already here. Uh, artificial intelligence computer programs are are here. What level they're at, we don't know, but knowledge is increasing exponentially. The elite will want to keep this in their hands. The problem is, is you can't sort it out fast enough, and they're they're lazy, weak people. So we got that going for us. There are people that sit around and ask other people to do the work, right? The people that run the world aren't doing well, you're, the you're dirty talking work. About, you're talking about the lazy magicians. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's going to take wizards to make the real changes, you know, like me. No, but I'm saying, I'm saying the system as it exists has the, the, the wealth, the technology, everything, but they, 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 they got to rely on people to do the work. So that's, as the intelligence comes in, we're in an intelligence explosion. The computers are helping the knowledge. You're a guy into the planets, Dan. Um, you can see the mechanics of the solar system. Look at the mechanics of an intelligence explosion. It's too much information to sort out. We yeah. got some smart people, Dan. Emergence, but they don't—they don't got people smart enough to sort through all the shit that's coming through, because they're selfish people. They right. have specific things. They're not looking for the answers to the universe. They're looking for how do we control the planet? Do you see how they'll miss it? Yep. Do you oh, yeah, see yeah. how if they gave instructions like? Go help me control the planet. They're going to miss all the information that's exploding. They'll have scientists. Yeah, it's important, you know, over there. But their main thing is control. So they're going to that's miss. How, that's it. how I feel about mainstream science. Is they're falling so short right now? We could be advancing much, much faster, and we could have access to much more life-changing and life-altering technology on the planet. Um, we would have already solved world hunger and world poverty. I mean, especially with the we have the means. All the tools are available to us now. We're just not utilizing them. Um, but the thing but, is, you know, this has already happened once before. In the early in the, the early thing, 1940s, you had all these guys come out of um, uh, Hungary, not, and they were all Hungarian Jews. And uh, the world called the Martians because they spoke a different language. They looked different. They had these incredibly advanced mentalities. They were all geniuses. They were all very extremely curious people. People like John von Neumann, who, without which, we wouldn't have um, the thermonuclear device, we wouldn't have the programmable computer, uh, we wouldn't have computer languages. I mean, there'd be so many uh, advanced mathematics uh, contributions he made to physics. And this is just one of the 14 Martians, right? Now, let's fast forward. The, the global population has exploded since then, right? So now, by my estimations, we should have about 45 alive of these individuals. I'm one of them um, on the planet today. So, like, for those of them like me, I need you're to seek out and find the rest of the Martians, you're, you know, like you're me. You're one of them. You're one of them. 
I'm one of the extremely high intelligent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm one of those people. Yeah, 45, definitely. and you're running for president? That's right. Somebody has to. We need oh really God. intelligent people in these positions. Well, you've got a campaign going right there. I mean, that might vote for you. We're kind of rooting for Adam Kikesh over here, too. But, um, what we found out? <laughs> you you right. said an explosion of intelligence. All right. Uh, intelligence explosion. Uh, yep, that's what I was trying to explain. Todd. That's what I was trying to explain to you. Todd. Yes. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, I hate to cut you off, but we are approaching the end of our roundtable event tonight. Yeah. I want to thank everybody for joining. I do want to go to each person one more time so that they can go ahead and get on the soapbox. If any of you guys have anything to plug, feel free to do so. Otherwise... Let's just go in the same order and give your final thoughts for this evening. Let's start with you, as usual, Alexandros. Hey, so you guys are really awesome. Thanks for having me on the show again. Sorry I kind of showed up a little late, um, you know, trying to get things together, and apparently there were some technical difficulties earlier. Uh, I, I do want to say that um, generally I, I believe in what you guys are up to, and I'm, I'm in it to win it, man. I'm here to collaborate and just make people's lives better and pass good information. We don't want to create a situation where there's a bunch of fear-mongering because we're not Alex Jones. Um, I do want to promote peace and love and, you know, let people know that there are alternatives, that, that we can all work together, we can make this work out. I, I, I feel very positive about the direction that we're capable of going um, as, as not just a nation but as, or as a people, but as society, as humanity as a whole. Um, and that's pretty much it, man. I love that. Anything to plug, Alexandros? Um, you know, I've got the second renaissance going. Uh, if, if those want to get involved or interested in getting involved, I run a global public uh, think tank. It's called the Lighthouse at the End of the World. Um, we, we have that hosted on um, Telegram right now, the app Telegram. And uh, you can always contact me for more information, and I can help plug you in. Our big push right now is we are working on Venezuela, a real working solution, trying to get both boots on the ground here in the United States and abroad, as well as on the physical boots on the ground in Venezuela, so that we can get a coordinated effort going to try to help them fix their problems in their nation and get them some of this advanced technology and, and start that process of getting them off the ground and getting their people free. Uh, and, and we're starting to reform their economy so that they can, they can live better for your lives. Very cool. Thank you, Alexandros. How about you, Dan? Oh, yeah. Thanks for having me on, guys. It's been a blast. And I just want to say that, yeah, to follow on, along with that, Alexandros, um, the fear of fear is the worst thing ever. It, if you have to do anything at all, don't fear anything. And it, the one thing you can do is love. And love is the, the only answer, I feel like. So if anything, to combat anything in your life you need to approach it with love and an open mind and the only way to get through things is with a clear head and you can't think clear when you're like afraid of everything so what i do what i do is try to figure out who we really are and what our purpose is and i feel like the only way to do that is to remember where we are so i have a 
uh, like an Instagram and a YouTube and a bit shoot called Earth is a Plane. It's one word, Earth is a Plane, and it's it's pretty much just a site where we discuss the the, the globe and uh, flat earth debate is it's a really simple concept, but there's a lot of controversy around it because there, there's people that say this and people that say that. And, and at the end of the day, it's all about what you can prove. So what I'm trying to do is prove where we are so we can actually remember who we are. Because I, I feel like the biggest, the biggest lie that, that, that's being told right now is who we are. And the only way to remember who we are and to end this massive control system is Exposing the lies. Sorry? Exposing the lies. Yeah, exposing the lies and recognizing where we are has an effect on your mental clarity. And if you remember where you are, you can recognize who you are and, and vice versa. And, and, and who you are is is the most important thing to understand because you're not an accident. And, and your life has value whether or not you have a Rolex watch, a Bentley, a house... You, you know, you're you're created for a purpose, and the only way to recognize that is to take a step back from everything and just look at it one step at a time with patience and love. And and if you if you have an ounce of fear or doubt, it'll all crumble. Um, and that that's that's why I love the the Bible so much. It's just like doubting Peter <clears throat> water. It's it's an amazing book filled with knowledge on a, on a three tiered level. Is the exoteric story, the esoteric story underneath that, and the truth lies at, at the heart of it, and you have to dissect each and every layer. And uh, so that's something I would recommend everybody doing is dissecting the, the threefold layer of the Bible whenever you get a chance. And that's that's what I have to say. Yeah. We, we we totally have to collaborate, man. This is awesome. I love you guys. This is this is really great. I'm so glad. I'm so honored that I could be on the show. Um, Joe Rogan can eat his heart out. So yeah. yeah, Joe Rogan sucks compared to this. <laughs> All right, maybe Connor. we can get Joe Rogan yeah. to come on this show. Yeah, exactly. Joe Rogan should be so lucky. Maybe we get Daniel on Joe Rogan's show. <laughs> oh yeah, that'd be awesome. Let's work on it. Like, come on, Joe, put Daniel on. You know he's cool. <laughs> well, I appreciate it, guys. <laughs> uh, Joe Rogan, however. Um, not interested. <laughs> uh, Todd. No, no. If we get the chance, you got to go on there, Daniel. No, thanks. Todd, well, go ahead. Maybe your listeners could force you on there. If you could get there. a hold of Bravo, Eddie Bravo, and you could get a hold of Alex Jones, okay, yeah. you could totally get them to goad Joe Rogan into putting you on the podcast. Like, it would be dope as fuck. Whoa, that would be if so anything, bad, I'll, I'll Daniel. Be no, Eddie, oh Eddie, Eddie Bravo, I would definitely... Want to have on here that or would, talk to that guy? Yeah, he's, get Eddie yeah. Bravo on. Yeah, he's he's very interesting. I I actually um I've I've talked to him a little bit. I, I have his uh, phone number. I've okay. text messaged with him you a little do? bit. He's a pretty cool guy. Oh yeah, for sure. Oh my God, maybe you can go do DMT with Joe Rogan and Eddie Bravo. <laughs> well, Eddie Bravo also owns a chain of jujitsu schools, so he's a very very busy man. Well, aren't we all? Uh, Todd, did you have any final thoughts for the evening? I do have that final thought. Uh, and I'm going to bounce off of Dan um, about fear. Push through the fear and you'll see the truth. 
what you're afraid to look at is where the you'll find stuff. Some, you know what I'm saying? In your own whatever, schitoma. Have you ever heard the word schitoma? 